Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast with the IB's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes movies that aren't even on the list at all. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? Very good, Darren. How are you this morning? I'm good. We're we're beginning our Christmas season, so uh, happy Christmas, Andrew, as we get ready yeah. to kind of ease our way in. Yeah, uh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, and I am absolutely not dreading the editing of this podcast because we have a stacked full house that is not going to be at all confusing for people. So we have a, a murderer's row of fantastic guests lined up. First of all, returning from last year's episode covering Return of the Jedi, the fantastic Andy Melowish. How are you, Andy? I'm good. Thank you. Woo! Good to be back. Also back from last year's Return of the Jedi episode and last week's Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2 episode, <laughs> the fantastic Luke Dunn. How are you, Luke? I'm very good. And I was acquitted of murderer. I'll have you know, Darren. All right. And two, two other first-time Star Wars guests for us. First of all, returning guests to the show, Alex Towers. How are you, Alex? Not too bad. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. And a first-time guest on the podcast, the wonderful Alexandra Harvey. How are you, Alex? How are things? I'm very well. I'm happy to be representing Oestrogen today, and me and other Alex will go and fight in the car park after this. We've agreed to be yes. known as the one true Alex on the podcast. Yes, so for listeners keeping track at home, this episode has two Andrews, two Alexes, a Luke on the podcast, and a Luke in the film. It is not at all going to be a confusing episode, but it feels like it fits. So we are talking this week about Ryan Johnson's 2017 movie, which is a completely undivisive, universally hailed as a classic, warmly received by the fandom. The internet has absolutely <laughs> nothing to say about it. His Last Jedi, the highest grossing movie of 2017, the eighth entry in the official Skywalker saga, the last time that a Star Wars movie was the highest grossing movie of the year. The, the longest, last... What? The longest Star Wars movie ever. I think it might be, possibly. I'm not sure if it, it hedges there. It is. It's about, I, I think it's only like five minutes longer. There's, there's a, a, a number that are on like two hours and 15 minutes. And this just edges past. Yeah. Um, but yes, so we were talking about that. And basically, um, let, let's kick us, let's kickstart us here. So, uh, Alex... T and Alex H, you guys haven't been on a Star Wars episode before. So what we normally do when we have guests on is we ask them to, like, just a brief introduction of your history with Star Wars, what your association with the franchise is. Are you a long-term fan? What is your favorite Star Wars films? What your relationship to it? So Alex H. Yes. Um, I think I first watched Star Wars, I think my mum and uncle. My uncle's, like, the real hardcore Star Wars fan in the family. I'm a fan of sci-fi in general. I think I first watched Star Wars when I was around eight or nine and that was a new hope and my mum because she's jeff jackie harvey shout out has excellent movie taste so i'm versed on a lot of things from the 70s and 80s um and that was my first time i watched it and then i just sort of slowly liked it i'd say i'm a star wars fan but i'm not a really hardcore star wars sort of as they say fanboy or fangirl so i appreciate it but i'm not gonna get overly maybe annoyed like some people might have done after watching this movie and cause a lot of ruckus on the internet <laughs> yes that's what this podcast is for we are hoping to cause a lot of ruckus we actually yes. yeah the reason why we are covering the last jedi which is also notable as the first star wars movie ever released not to make the 250 all of the prequels landed yep alex's eyebrows just alex t's eyebrows just raised there that um, doesn't uh, include solo though does it solo was after this one right, right yeah so okay. this was the first one not to make the 250 um but alex t What's your relationship to Star Wars? Uh, it's funny because I think the last time I did one of these was for the uh, Indiana Jones summer. And I remember talking about the Indiana Jones films in a similar way. They almost feel like 
I mean, being Irish, it's sort of similar to religion, I've thought, like the way you get brought to mass and at a certain point it just, you know, it's part of your like makeup. Um, having a friend, you know, with the VHS tapes of the original trilogy of Star Wars was just something that, you know, you watched every now and then and they, they were wonderful and there wasn't even any perception that one was worse than the other because they were all just so magical and transportive and... Um, so I loved them and, you know, loved them and got really excited with episode one because I was the right age, I guess, for that film. And again, afterwards, it was like, what's everyone talking about? That was great. There was a, two two lightsabers. And then I think I dropped out. Um, you know, I sort of tuned out for a while and, and with the prequels and then um, really did kind of come back and, and learn to appreciate them a little bit more, even the, the prequels. So, yeah, by the time this new trilogy was coming out, I was excited. I was buckled in. I was ready to go. So, yeah, I was... And, Similar to um, Alex H, I've always, you know, liked them. Um, I just wouldn't say, like, I'm a giant, giant, giant fan. You know, they're, they're, they're great. I've had a lot of fun watching them through the years. I've definitely seen them, you know, many more times than some of the films that I, I really love, just out of that they're always there, you know, kind of, as I say, like going to mass or or something like that. They're just part of your makeup. Um, and Andy... Yo. Normally on this podcast, what we do is we reach out to guests and we ask them if they want to come on. Um, I was actually really excited that you reached out to me and you're like, I would love to be a part of the discussion of Last Jedi. Yeah. What is it that kind of like, what is it that made you kind of jump into the fray to turn on your lightsaber and kind of just <laughs> jump right on in? What was it that kind of made this, you say, I need to be talking about this? This one? is as militant as I'm ever getting. I've, I've never ever posted on a message board ever. I've never given anyone grief for their film opinion but i know you have very strong opinions about the the last jedi darren and um i just wanted to be here to represent but um actually have... darkness rises and light to meet it andy yes having rewatched it recently uh, with with alex h i think we're, we're both in agreement that it's it's less good than i was prepared to um fight for so now i don't know i'm going to be much more on the fence all right and luke what's your immediate reaction to the last jedi do you remember the first time you saw it what oh, the kind of takeaway was vividly yes because <laughs> so the first time this was around the time i was i was a younger more innocent man darren and i was still up for the kind of midnight showing scene i can't do that anymore i'd rather die than <laughs> watch a movie in the cinema at midnight. But a couple of years before The Last Jedi, uh, my friends and I, we did the, the midnight screening for The Force Awakens. And I remember coming out of that and like my friends are so excited. They're such huge Star Wars fans. And then they turn and look at me and they're like, all right, what do you think? And you probably get this a lot, Darren, where people like <laughs> presume this kind of contrarian nature in you that I, I think it's unfair. I think it's undeserved. But I remember then a couple of years later going to Last Jedi. I was really hyped. Uh, and watching it, I really enjoyed it. And I remember not just enjoying it, but feeling like this is going to be great. We're all finally going to be on the same page. <laughs> we can all just <laughs> enjoy this silly spectacle movie. We're all going to have a great time. We're all going to come out and just look at each other and say how great it was. And the, the, the car ride home was the most hostile environment I think I've ever been in. The <laughs> same people. The same Star Wars. The same people Awakens, that I saw yeah. the, the Force Awakens with. Slowly 
and but surely during that period realizing that they hated the movie so much <laughs> uh, it was so alienating because I, I remember coming like what do you people want from me like what <laughs> i like the star wars you wanted me to well, not just star like wars, it right? but like like really like it because we spoke before about this down where it's like yeah it's star wars it's fine and guys this is your first time you guys think you have a casual relationship with star wars alex and alex but then darren will ask you back again and again darren didn't actually ask me to come on this Darren told me I was going to be here because Darren has been setting this up for some time because I am a very big fan of this movie. And Darren, as someone that doesn't hate it, has been catching flag from the internet for years. So I knew so, yeah, so he's been my for shield for, for some time. And now he's like, just, he's pushing me out there and he's going, him, get him, fellas. It's your turn, Luke. So, it's your so you, time you, now. You think you're safe, but you're not. Like, he'll get you in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I actually want to talk about my reaction to Last Jedi in a moment, but I want to ask Andrew, actually, because Andrew, it's like you, you talk about, like, you know, casual relationships with the franchise. Like, Andrew is perhaps the most casual of Star Wars fans. I think Andrew's joked he has a casual relationship with movies and a particularly casual relationship <laughs> within that casual relationship with Star Wars. So, Andrew, like... When did you first see The Last Jedi and what was your immediate reaction to it? Um, I'm struggling. I, 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 I generally can't answer the first question because um, I don't have this kind of like Proustian kind of reaction to movies where, where it's like, you know, I taste the biscuit and then I remember the first time I tasted the biscuit. Or um, it's very obvious I don't read proofs. Sorry. Um, the um, no, I my but my reaction to it I think is is similar to my reaction now. I thought it was kind of um, not good and very kind of um, uh, uh, sw- sweaty, I guess. Um, and the the interesting thing about it is that like we would. We we won't be talking about the rise of Skywalker, but um, ah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I two Christmases from now, Andrew. <laughs> two Christmases from now. The, the what of what? Sorry. <laughs> it's a real shame they never made a sequel to this movie. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, with I, Game of it's like with Game of Thrones. Like just before the final episodes, they just left it, and that's factually and historically <laughs> what happened. That's correct. Yeah. No. No. I. I the thing about this movie that I've realized since is that um, this movie has a lot of fans and I kind of like that this movie has a lot of fans. It's not one of those things where I'm like, kind of like, why do people like this? And uh, like, what, what a terrible thing that says about um, the person in general. Yeah, or our world. I think it's great that people like this movie <laughs> and I, I, I can kind of like... Um, um, uh, based on what they're saying, I think it's good that they have this movie. But, um, but yeah, that's about as far as it goes for me. I was going to ask, right, because like, when you saw this, did you have any idea that this was divisive? Like, when you came out of the cinema, did you go, that is a different Star Wars movie? Did I than have any, any idea that this was... was going to be divisive? So, like, when you came out of the cinema or when you saw it, were you like, this is a different Star yeah, Wars movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, did you? Really, when you came out, you kind of knew that. You had that kind of feeling immediately you get after. that sense. Because of the culture wars and that 
that like you, you could tell that this movie was going to be the sort of thing which would have a lot of people saying like um which would 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 kind of have a lot of people su supporting it quite kind of strongly whether they liked it or not um and then other people on the other side like um uh, attacking it for reasons that have, have kind of like nothing to do with the movie either you know that that's kind of the tired kind of horrible criticism that you get of like a lot of movies these days where there's there's people kind of on the right saying oh the like pink haired feminists and in their and ball this, gowns commanding yeah, this, missions yeah that this movie kind of um um uh feels feels like it's kind of um uh maybe standing up to that uh, raving waving a red flag in front of a yeah 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 okay. i'm I, yeah I, be careful how i'm putting it because i don't want it to seem but but it, it seems to me yes that it is kind of waving a red flag or kind of in, in inviting that kind of conflict okay which, well which and and it's it's it and, and and maybe that's um like a reasonable thing for a movie to do but yeah it 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 it, it seems kind of clear that it's going to be divisive all right at least on on that grounds and then there's the whole thing of whether it's a good movie or not with people who care about whether star wars movies are good um and and yeah did I, I suppose it being it being divisive along those lines okay um, well two things before we kick off first of all um and i think it's kind of important to say this because it gets lost a bit is that the idea of The Last Jedi being divisive is arguably something that only exists in the online sphere, in that if you are online, it is inescapable that there was a quote-unquote backlash, that there was a an aggressive response to it. But if you look at the actual numbers that have been like crunched on it, it was the highest-grossing movie of its year. Um, it broke box office records when it opened. It got an A cinema score, which is uh, the actual surveying of audiences when they were watching the movie. It got five out of five from Comstore. It has the highest rating of any Star Wars movie, according to like scientifically conducted audience surveys. And a lot of the backlash or discussion of the backlash to it came from sites like Metacritic, uh, user scores on Metacritic, user, user scores on IMDb, user scores on Rotten Tomatoes. And Rotten Tomatoes at least has kind of come out and said, yeah, we recrunched the numbers and a lot of that was a, a systemic attempt to downvote it in the same way that you saw with, say, Captain Marvel right. or Black Panther years afterwards. So I, I want to get that out there and just make suggest like when we talk about the backlash it's it's important not to, em to emphasize that to a large number of audience members the last jedi was just another star wars movie. yeah and i i think a lot of the time when you're talking about kind of opinions about movies it's much easier to kind of look at twitter yes um, uh, in terms of research and yeah, stuff like yeah. That. yeah and you see that kind of like on even news channels yeah where they're they're they have like they there's they're no longer doing like it, the, the, the vox pop, pop. yeah as somebody whose say. Twitter has been featured in the Daily Mail multiple times, I can tell you that is not fun. Um, that'll teach me to have an opinion about the movie Joker. <laughs> um, but yes, okay, so in terms of my initial reaction to it, and it's... You can't say that and then not reveal what your opinion was. <laughs> um, I, I tweeted out, I made a comment that the most offensive thing about Joker was that, that he used a Gary Glitter score that will result in a pedophile gaining royalties from the movie. That was my big argument. And then the Daily Mail decided that... Uh, that that was like woke culture gone wild was they should not be paying Gary Glitter money. Um, and so my Twitter feed became great fun for a couple of days. Um, I can't believe you tried to cancel Gary Glitter. 
I, I, I know. How could you? All the Gary Glitter stands were coming out. Glitter eyes. But okay, so my initial reaction to Last Jedi. I got rid of glitter. Wait, but... wait, hold on. So, so the Daily Mail is pro Gary Glitter. The glitter I think the Daily Mail's pro Gary Glitter. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, I don't really have a platform to punch back, Andy. Like when I point out that the, this is the stance they're taking, nobody really cares. Um, it's more that I'm like trying to cancel Joker, and it's it's culture gone wild. And I'm like, no, I just don't want pedophiles to get paid. Um, but anyway, so like, you should have your own media platform as big as the Daily Mail. <laughs> thank, thank you, Andrew. Um, my reaction to the Last Jedi when I first saw it, which is kind of interesting, and this is something I think Luke recognizes with when I see movies with Luke, where I'll come out of them and I'll say that was quite good actually, and. It's the same thing Luke said. Everyone's going to love this, right? It's a well-made film. It looks absolutely beautiful. It has a the distinct... The Last Jedi? The Last Jedi. It has a right. distinct or tourist hand to it. Uh, you know, Ryan Johnson, he brought in his own editor from his previous film, from Looper. He brought in uh, Ram Bergman, his producer, who worked on all his previous films. Cinematography handled by the same guy. He wrote it. He directed it. It's an artisanal blockbuster. People are going to respond to this. It's fine. My big problem going to Last Jedi is that it's too fan pandering. It doesn't take the gloves off. It's too like concerned with appeasing fans and making fans feel good about themselves and giving them all the Star Wars stuff that they think they want. I think, you know, The Last Jedi could be a truly great film, an amazing film, if it like just pushed fans a little bit, if it treated them like adults who could deal with criticism in a mature and considered way. And that take aged like milk over the weekend that it was released. Because it turns out that apparently Star Wars fans don't have very thick skin when it comes to anything <laughs> that is perceived as vaguely critical about the movie. I think it it, it, it shows, Darren, that because people have a very fluid uh, perception of critics. As, as I say, you, you, you've no doubt had that kind of like, well, you probably hated it because that's what you do. You hate all movies kind of reaction. Or they think that if you like a movie, you're being paid off, all this kind of thing. People think... Disney shill. The Disney shill conspiracy theory. But but I think what this shows, where we both had that reaction, is that we have no finger on the pulse of the culture (laughs) and (laughs) and no no real way of of predicting how a movie will be perceived at all. (laughs) And people people shouldn't listen to us. Uh, well, I mean, like, like you mentioned that, like, it's worth pointing out, like, a lot of the critical response at the time, like, Time Magazine's Stephanie Zacharek, her headline was, The Last Jedi is a Star Wars movie that's truly for everyone. The Verge announced the day before The Last Jedi was released that the most divisive aspect of the movie would be the Porgs. Um, when I published my positive review on it, on film in Dublin, um, it's the only time, because I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty loose editorial hand, Darren. It's the only time that one of the other writers for the site was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> they, they wanted a counterpoint <laughs> to be published, which we did. Yeah, that, that was fine. And I think it's worth uh, prefacing yes. anything that, that we might say, that, like not everyone that dislikes this movie and not everyone that strongly dislikes this movie is just like an online troll yeah. kind of culture war yeah. within uh, Pawn. It's, it's, it's a big sweaty blockbuster as as andrew says uh so there's a lot of things that you could not like about 
you know there's a lot in there yeah and again a lot of valid opinions like that's the thing is that like when you end up with something this big you end up having siloing things yes it is perfectly valid not to like this movie and there are plenty of people who like it for dislike it for reasons that are not related to the dominant conversation around it but alex h what was your response to seeing the last jedi like when you saw it the first time did you see it in cinemas what did you think of it I did. The first time I saw it was actually with my housemate at the time, who is a photographer as well. So we watched it. And obviously, like you said, the visuals, like you can't fault the production value and the visuals for Star Wars films, I don't think, because they look stunning. And especially the scene where Admiral Holdo, a.k.a. my future wife, Laura Dern, uh, light speeds uh, the rebel <laughs> ship into the, into the dreadnought is just one of the nicest, most prettiest shots of all time. But I think, like you said, it doesn't go far enough for me. So when I first saw it, I was like, that was great. And I was like wrapped up in seeing it on the big screen. I was like, yay, sparkles, loud noises, because I'm very like distracted by that. But then when I sort of saw it again, I was like, it's kind of like the epitome of a film sitting on the fence where it's trying to do too much for everybody. It felt like they'd like taken the comments about Star Wars from everyone, tried to please everyone, but then like no storylines and sort of no characters are pushed far enough because there's like, a premise of like a really good storyline like with Poe Poe Dameron uh being reckless and messing up and then him learning to gain leadership Finn trying to run away and then him coming back and having a redemption story and like they completely wasted I think sort of Daisy Ridley and Kelly Marie Tran in that film as well and I feel like everybody everybody's character should have been pushed more rather than trying to focus on big explosions and doing everything as much and especially with Ryan Johnson's other films especially Knives Out which I loved that seemed like a well-rounded film but everyone had their own arc and everything felt finished off whereas this sort of felt like kind of unfinished and then obviously knowing what we know now with the final film which we won't mention by name that was then kind of a race that again wasn't progressed further and I just felt kind of frustrated by that because I felt the actors did a good job and I thought the performances were great but just the writing wasn't like, it felt like an unfinished story, which then never actually got finished with the final film that came out as well. Yeah. With, with regards to Rise of Skywalker, I did see that with Luke sitting next to me. And I think I saw it the same day that I saw Cats. And that was the only day that I have ever questioned my life choices. Um, I was like, cinema, done. That's, that's really as far as the medium could possibly go. But Alex T, what about yourself? You continued to watch... Cats. Those two movies. No, I've I've only like I've only seen Rise of Skywalker twice. I've seen Cats oh, five times. Like, when are we doing the Cats episode? Oh, we've already no. done the Cats <laughs> episode. Luke Luke is a survivor of the Cats episode. Um, but Alex T, um, do you remember the first time you saw Last Jedi and your reaction to it? Yeah, I think I mean I think I saw it. I have a vague memory that came out at Christmas time, and it was one of these fun things, similar to what everyone else was sort of saying. I went to go see it with a group of friends. And, you know, the same group of friends, I think we'd seen the previous one after a day of Christmas shopping and, and came out and, and I was sort of like, huh, you know, that was kind of interesting. And everyone else was a little like, no, that was terrible. That's the word you're looking for. And I was like, no, it wasn't terrible. I mean, some things in it didn't work, but like, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was cool. And um, yeah. And, and, and then kind of from afar watched um, people like Darren, you know, get into knife fights on the internet about things that I, I just thought were pretty, like, standard stuff. And then t to Luke's point as well, like, there, there definitely are things to criticize this film about. It's just the, the focus on the wrong things also, like, completely <laughs> undermines any engagement with it as a film. I think this was the point as well where I realized, um, like, 
you can say a lot about the prequels, but <laughs> kind of defend them a little bit because there's such a sort of intransient vision of like a sort of, you know, madman, uh, someone who's just spent too long in their own brain nearly. <laughs> and has sort of worked out that you can, you know, why do practical effects when everything can be kind of this carpet-like computer CGI? And why spend as long on the script as you would spend on the lore and mythology of all of it? But I actually kind of think it works to an extent. You just have to sort of like, you know, get into it and kind of slit your wrists like a warm bath and enjoy it. It's it's very enveloping. But then these, when the first one came along, I really liked it because it was, it felt different. And I, I think... The, it was an attempt to get back to old Star Wars, like again shooting on literal, literally rolling it backwards. Practical yeah. effects, shooting on film instead of digital. It's like this is your warm memory of Star Wars. This is the warm bath you mentioned. And not only that, but like I think J.J. Abrams is sort of the perfect choice for that initial film because that's all he's ever done. Like yeah, his, the first film he directed was Mission Impossible Three. You know, he's not some like journeyman coming up from Sundance. He's like the studio executive who comes in and is like no this needs to go here and this needs to go here and the music needs to arise here but it's it's what you kind of need for that initial one and then i was kind of intrigued that they handed it over to you know a more sort of coming up from the ground indie guy um and then that they were doing like and they, that they weren't giving it to just one vision either um i so i suppose that was the point i was getting to that the prequels for everything the prequels are they're they're one cohesive vision Whereas this is very like, oh, whoa, whoa, okay, oh, you know, it ends terribly and it's just like melding of nothing works. But this was the one I've, you know, I, I kind of like of the three of them now. I, I feel like the first one gets worse by the third one. This one kind of stands alone a little bit more than the other two. And like a lot of other people here, I think I came out of it uh, like thinking about it and a little thrown by it. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still kind of like it. I actually watched it with Palantry for this and there's a lot of interesting things because <laughs> apparently the commentary was recorded like just the weekend before it came out so there's a lot of like me and Johnson being like I can't wait to see what people think of my film and I bet they'll love this <laughs> which is a bit sad in parts um but also I think there's a lot of really interesting things in it like he talks about how the film was he kind of jokes about it was tore away from me to be released he sort of explains in detail as well about like certain sections. He didn't want them edited like he wanted more like Rashomon and like interlinking yeah. stories and stuff. And um, then he sort of also implies that there are things in there that are just natural Star Wars. Like, of course, there's an evil BB-8 because that's another yes. toy, you know, and inevitably there's going to be stuff like that. <laughs> e. Yeah, yes. the E stands for evil. Yeah. But I think as as nice a guy as Rian Johnson seems to come across and as much as I enjoyed the other films like Luke and I talked for ages about um, Knives, Out. Uh, Knives Out on one of these other episodes but um, there is I think definitely a little bit of like I'm not going to just go the J.J. Abrams out I'm actually I'm going to like really change stuff like there's a, a funny scene where Kylo Ren like beats up and destroys his helmet which you know again is another toy um, and Rian Johnson in the commentary talks about how, like, when they did it first, the helmet wasn't destroyed enough. So I started jumping up and down and, until it was, like, tiny <laughs> little pieces. And I was thinking, like, yeah, that's pretty funny because there are certain elements that um, he really did. Now, some of those I will wait for the spoiler zone or whatever to talk yeah, about because yeah. I really think there is one big, brave choice that I really liked in this film. But, um, no, similar to you guys, I, I liked it when it came out. I thought... Oh, that's great. It's very different to the others, but like I'd rather that than just see, you know, another repeat of everything else. And then yeah, just I remember seeing like threads of of people giving out to you, Darren, and just sort of like backing away and glad that I, I was not involved whatsoever and I had not posted my opinion of the film on the internet. 
Yeah, the remarkable thing about like people disagreeing with The Last Jedi is that my res- my initial response was, this is a movie that is not ambitious enough, it isn't upsetting fans enough. And my, my response over time has become, Darren clearly overestimated fans, this movie knew exactly where fans were, the movie is smarter than I am, I was wrong, this is possibly a masterpiece. Um, but Luke... You're you you you're very much like you you put yourself in front of the shield. I didn't put you there. You wandered there of your own volition, uh, ready to take the fire. Before we jump into the spore zone, is there anything you want to say about like this movie? Just making a quick pitch for it as a salesman, saying, "Luke, listeners cannot." Is there see anything you. I have to say for myself? Yeah, listeners cannot see Luke. He seems to be physically winching, flinching. Sorry. Um, winching and winching. I yes, at the same time. I genuinely, I don't think I need to make a case for it. I've had this conversation before with um, Grace Duffy, who's not here, who hates this movie a lot. But the conversation that we had is like, it's, and it's it's kind of what I've said in other Star Wars episodes, Darren. It's like, oh, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't feel the need to convince anyone that doesn't like this movie that they should like it. I don't feel the need to convince anyone that hasn't seen it that they should watch it because it's it's a Star Wars, isn't it? Like, and that's that's I think that I suppose that's the case that I make for. It. At the end of the day, it's a Star Wars. If you like Star Wars, what's the you know fine, isn't it? Grand. Like, it, and and I I think to your point about how it is not going far enough with trying to set itself apart and be something new. Like it is and it isn't doing that. And part of what I find so strange about it is that. You know, after uh, the Force Awakens came out, the like fans generally liked it, but the kind of standard complaint was, well, "It's just a new hope, isn't it?" Yeah, it's too familiar. And what I find so strange is that, like, this is like it, it is doing things differently, but it's just Empire Strikes Back, right? And that's your favorite. So what's the what's the big what's the big hubbub? And people didn't like Empire when it came out at first either. Yes. But the culture was different. I I don't see the people that don't like The Last Jedi for whatever reasons they don't like it, changing their minds. People don't yes. change their minds anymore. Yes, this is this is what I wanted to talk about, actually, because we did talk about this when we came to The Empire Strikes Back. There was a lot of pushback against it. Um, and there was a lot of people, a lot of fans who felt betrayed by it, a lot of people who felt like its treatment of key characters was not correct. It didn't understand Luke. Uh, they felt that splitting up the cast was a bad idea. They felt that the themes weren't right. They felt that the direction wasn't good enough, all that sort of stuff. And I think to bring it back to what Luke said there, what's interesting is that like this was like the 80s. Social media, the internet did not exist. So what generally happened was people who did not like The Empire Strikes Back said, huh, it's a movie. I don't like it. I guess next week I'll go and see Normal People starring Robert Redford. Maybe I'll like that. And continued on with their lives. And I think that what happened with Last Jedi is that we exist in a climate where, and again, like, to be clear, there was some initial pushback against The Force Awakens, but it didn't gain traction. There were, again, very similar to Mad Max, which was released the same here, a lot of pushback about, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a woman lead now, and there's a black lead now, and it's all politically correct and all this sort of stuff. And it never managed to gain traction outside of the menosphere, the MRA movement and stuff like right. that. And I think what happened between 2015 and 2017 is the release of Ghostbusters in 2016. Because that was the moment at which people realized that they could yell loud enough and bang enough pots and pans that they would not only get media coverage, they would dominate media coverage and any discussion of the film would be framed through the lens that they imposed on it. 
And I do wonder if that's maybe what contributes to that being a dominant narrative around this. Luke looks like... Well, yes, well, well I suppose... You can pull that thread back even further because yes, obviously that 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 that's a big end in flashpoint. The, yeah. And Gamergate as well. Again, yeah. it was late 2014, bubbling through 2015, but, exploded in 2016. With if you if you if you look at say Harry Knowles, right, yes. and the weirdly strong hold he, he he gained over executives in Hollywood, or yeah. at least their perception of things. Uh, and if you look a little bit ahead then to Red Letter Media and the way that they reframed the discussion around Star Wars, uh, well, claiming that they weren't, <laughs> um, I suppose much like I do, claiming that they're not that invested in them, making a 25-hour long three-part video about it. But, but the thing about when Empire came back and fans had that big reaction is that those fans were nerds, Darren, and we don't care what nerds think. <laughs> you know? they, they're supposed to just have their little thoughts over in their little corner. And they buy their tickets like everybody else. And and yeah, and, and, and they and they because they're still customers. They're not going yeah. anywhere. And like, you know they can, they'll hate it, but they'll buy tickets. That's and they fine. can write we a fan fake about it if they need to course grow. You know, the, the, the idea that and as we saw coming out of this movie, the idea that hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars need to be spent in in placating these people yes. and in making sure that they don't yell on you on Twitter as if that's a thing that matters is that's the culture change and yeah. as I say you can trace that back to Ghostbusters back to Gamergate back to Harry Knowles but it's a very strange phenomenon because like who, who, who cares yes. if nerds don't like this movie well I think the interesting thing on that point is like the sort of and I think it's definitely something that's happened in the last 10 to 15 years. And maybe it's because our world is literally falling apart in late stage capitalism. But people feel extremely possessive of the things they grew up with and, and the things that they um, cherished, particularly as children. Because that's it's literally this channel back into when things were simple and the world made sense to them. And therefore, to exploit IP in a way that reframes or changes or continues... Um, it, it's almost as if you're tapping into their actual memories and, and sort of, you know, uh, changing them, you know, uh, tying them to something that they have no control over. And so it is interesting that all of the debate and all of the uh, debates, and I'm probably a nice word for all the, the horrible stuff <laughs> that's going on the internet, all the like, sorry, toxic carnage that was going on the internet did happen exclusively around films that, um, are, are usually retreads of old intellectual property to, to yeah. use one of Darren's phrases that I, I've stolen from him a year or two ago about pigs at the nostalgia trough, you know, that, that a lot of studios tend to treat, you know, audiences like that and, and really do go after those kinds of things. So we're getting continuations of franchises that absolutely yeah. should never, ever have been continued. And like, why do this, does this need to happen? Like last uh, week, like, like, two separate plus... Batman trailers came out, you know, and yeah. then the new Spider-Man film has got like every Spider-Man ever. And it's Ghostbusters Afterlife, which reimagines like a Reagan era parable about like free enterprise and university features going out for themselves, reimagined as a pastoral American nostalgia fest. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, sorry. So, and, and, like, so I think that, that, you know, what I was sort of saying at the start about like, Star Wars were the films that, you know, I have extremely fond and good memories of because they occurred in a very happy time in my childhood. So when more of those come along, I'm going, my ticket's already bought. I'm going along because my brain is being wired by, by to, to go and, and, and go towards it like a fly towards one of those lights. And then 
when you don't get exactly what you want, which I, I think someone was saying, you know, it's, it's virtually a retread of the second films. George Lucas had a nice phrase of saying, oh, it's like a poem that rhymes when, no, George, you're just making the same <laughs> film over and over again. Um, and I, I think a film like this that, you know, doesn't quite rhyme this stanza with the last one, just blew people's brains, you know. And, it half rhymes. Exactly, yeah. If, if I can add on to a bit of what Alex, uh, Alex T was just saying as well, I think people get too attached to and like I'm all about nostalgia like I've been a Pokemon fan since I was younger like I'm 27 now I will still buy every Pokemon game that ever comes out because I'm hooked in so like the nerds will always buy tickets I think it's when as you were saying with the rise of social media and then with Ghostbusters coming out and everyone being nostalgic about that and saying women have ruined the film and I'm not saying it's all men but it's a lot lot of the time it's white men on the internet yelling about women ruining films and I just think that at the end of the day, it's a film about spaceships and Star Wars and lasers in space. And if you're going to be so angry as to get on a keyboard and hate on especially the, the women and people of colour in this film, say, Kelly Marie Tran, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, who are the main leads in this film, along with alongside Adam Driver and obviously all of the original cast as well, then I think you just need to look at yourself and think, what are you doing with your life? And also... Criticize the film. Don't criticize the people that are doing their jobs by being in the film. Like there's so there's a lot in this film you can criticize and a lot you can like about it. But I think the way social media has gotten has in sort of embedded with nostalgia and people who sort of you know grew up in the 80s around these films, I think is really toxic. And that needs to be separated from actual film reviewing and criticism. criticism and discussion. Yeah. Because as a woman, I've I've, I've never been on the end of that kind of hate but when I was seeing that on the internet I was like this is unacceptable and anyone who was sort of on the fence about that saying oh but it's just people criticizing I'm like no you're personally criticizing these people now that is unacceptable I mean we we should acknowledge by the way like again not all criticism of the movie is that style of criticism but that style of criticism was a was a dominant mode yeah to the point where like Kelly Marie Tran was like hounded off social media She's talked about like the New York Times about how she had a nervous breakdown, like as a result of it and how she had to like pull herself back together and kind of like convince herself that she wanted to continue doing the thing that she loved doing, which was acting uh, because of the response to it. And, and she but, was quite kind of, the, the, this was really a, a, a big break breakthrough for her. Yeah. for her as well. So it's not like she's kind of, you know, been there, um, done that kind of, oh, you know, it's it, like like she wasn't at the point where she could be inured to that sort of criticism. Oh, no. It's like, hey, um, uh, it's, it's just kind of like introducing her into the world. And it's like, oh, we didn't tell you about all that terrible stuff. Um, <laughs> well, because that they, terrible stuff wasn't really like like you didn't expect it. Like it, it no, was yeah, like in 2017. Yeah. The, like nowadays, like I suspect studios have like people who train people. It's like your movie's coming out on Friday. You're handing your yeah. phone to an intern. Um, that's what you're doing. You are not going online. Like, yeah. like Ryan Johnson, like to, to mention like Alex's point about Ryan Johnson on the commentary being like, I can't wait for people to watch this and like have passionate reactions to it. Um, he's talked about how like the weekend it opened, he literally, he was at a screening for the US Marine Corps. He did a big introduction to it. He went out and the studio exec was like, hey, you, you want to come back to, to like Disney and we can like, we got dinner sorted there. We got like a command center set up. He's like, no, I, I want to just hang around Century City Ball, grab something to eat. I'll get to the next screening myself. It'll be fine. And he recalls like the dark hour of his soul wandering around Century City as all of a sudden his phone started lighting up 
with, in his own words, incredibly graphic descriptions of what Star Wars fans wanted to do to him. Um, like, that was, like, how instantaneous and how live it was. Yeah, I, I, I find it interesting, the, the idea that Ghostbusters kind of encouraged this line of, of, think, of kind of horrible thinking. Because they, the, the Ghostbusters then do it was was a sort of an anti-climax when it came out. Because before it came out, there was a lot of upvoting and downvoting. Well, sorry, downvoting and upvoting. Well, I think the um, issue was from that people it, uh, who hadn't seen it, but people on one side who who are like, "This is this is going to be terrible. They're destroying our childhood." And then they, on the other side, like, um, Sc- "Screw you guys! Like, what what what's your problem with this movie? You haven't even seen it. I'm going to upvote it." Also, not having seen it, and then when it came out, people were like, "Well, it's not as bad as those people said, but it's not as good as we kind of wanted it to be to prove them wrong." Well, also the issue with Ghostbusters is that it underperformed financially. It underperformed financially because it is a studio comedy that was budgeted like a blockbuster, and as a result of that, it allowed those voices to claim a victory. And a lot of the yeah, sorry, Alex T is shaking his head, but yeah, no, it like that was the coverage, and all of the coverage of its box office underperformance. As you pointed out, uh, Andrew, you just go on Twitter and you find the links and you say, people are saying, hey, and it's like, is that why it underperformed? And all of a sudden you have like a YouTube click driven economy that's like, we did it, guys, we can do it again. Um, But something I want to mention there just quickly before we move on um, in terms of like the film's reaction and the way in which people act differently towards it now to something I think Luke and both Alex has mentioned, the idea of fan ownership, the idea that like, Back And again, this ties into something Alex T mentioned there about the original, like the prequels, where it was just George Lucas doing whatever the hell he wanted, regardless of what anybody thought. And there's a really good interview where he's been asked about like his plans for the pre- for the sequel trilogy. And his response is, oh, fans would have hated it, like completely self-aware, but like unwilling to compromise in any way, shape or form. I think what's interesting about like modern franchise reboots of things that are 40 years old because we just harvest IP like we're mining spice on Dune is that like... Everybody who's brought in now has to performatively play to be a fan. The people who are making it are fans of the original thing. They are not coming to it necessarily as, well, I want to do something interesting with it. They're coming with, no, I love this property. Um, I'm like you guys. wasn't really like that with Star Trek. It was very obvious that he was more of a Star Wars. Yes, yeah. But like, generally speaking, that's, that's the angle on it. You talk about how important it was in your childhood and... Like, that's interesting because the boundary between creator and fan is arguably non-existent anymore. Where, like, the whole thing is, like, as Luke mentioned back in the old days, if you didn't like something, you would go on Usenet and you would write a fan fiction. And, like, it, and again, I don't, and again, I don't want to generalize, but it's worth pointing out, as Alex, uh, as Alex H. pointed out, like, historically, fan fiction was used by women and people of color. And it was traditionally used by... I don't see myself represented on screen. So I'm writing, I'm looking, watching Star Trek and Ahura never gets anything interesting to do. I'm a black woman. I'm going to go online. I'm going to write a fiction where Ahura gets to do cool stuff. Or I'm a gay man. I don't see myself represented on screen. I'm going to write fan fiction where Kirk and Spock do stuff to each other. And I don't expect it to be in the show, but it's going to be there. And I find it interesting that the moment that these franchises aren't catering to, as Alex H pointed out, middle-aged white guys' nostalgia fantasies, those middle-aged white guys don't go online and go, well, I'm going to write a fan fiction where Kylo Ren goes and uh, does some Jedi he stuff. He gets a bigger helmet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, polishes it very hard, and everybody's very impressed by how big his helmet is. Um, 
they, they instead go, no, this is wrong. The studio, like the studio should cater to me. It's, it's not my problem. I'm not going to try and make myself feel included. I demand that everybody else make me feel included. I think that's an interesting kind of difference in fan culture. Um, what I so. find interesting about that, Darren, is that if you look at John Boyega um, in particular, uh, in the press for the, in the lead to the first movie, he was very central in that kind of like, I'm a wide eyed fan. And like, you know, he, he tells the story yeah. of JJ Abrams secretly bringing into the, to these meetings and stuff. And like, all the, he's so excited. He's working with Harrison Ford, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think a lot of that is genuine, but it's like his, his yeah. public persona at that time was this like wide eyed idealist fan, you know? Yes. And Boyega has a lot of issues, both with his treatment from the fan base and with his, treatment by the studio including in this film and his relationship to it now is a lot more jaded and a lot more bitter and again i think quite quite justifiably but he's kind of he came in as a fan and now in the grand tradition of star wars movies he's an actor from star wars who hates star wars and you know it's like it's like poetry there it rhymes (laughs) it rhymes wasn't he? Didn't they fully erase him or put him in the background when they did a poster for China at one point? I can't remember if it was for this one or yes, for or the Force Awakens, I think. And yeah, it's it's and just it changed. It's very it, it's. I mean, there's so with with stars because it's so massive. There's so much to to, to kind of put John and go into on that. But w- with that kind of mining of someone's uh, relationship to the property, um, is is something I think you can kind of see in Boyega. Um, and the kind of cold, hard realities of studios and why they do what they do and how they use your color um, or, you know, women or or anyone that isn't. That's right. Anyone who isn't what the studio executive like, basically, yeah. is, I think, very revealing in so many ways. By the way, are we doing the prequels? <laughs> question for three 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 christmases from now andrew um but we do have alex t has agreed to appear in all three pre-quests. you joke but like i i i do like those stupid movies i, I, I like joking. i'm not joking I either i have lately. a soft spot for the prequels as well because they came out yeah. sort of 2000s when i was like in my formative years so i i kind of have adore those a little bit even though i know right, so- i even though i know a lot of it is objectively bad i just love it so much <laughs> So we will have allies for, because um, Alex is plural, I'm going to shorten it to allies, we'll have allies. For the the interesting um, thing, but... I suppose, about the prequels as well, though, is like the, that first one came out and the internet was in its infancy, so they, you know, white men hadn't quite militantly organized their comment section. <laughs> they yet, didn't but... They didn't know how to use the dial-up yet, they haven't figured it out. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, that, you know, 20 years later, you now have sort of nostalgic memes and, and everyone kind of like laughing at it and also appreciating the whole like criticism of Iraq and stuff that's in there. But then uh, the Iraq war, I should say, not Iraq, the country. but then <laughs> is that going to happen? Do you think with the, the, this film? Oh, the rehabilitation. Well, that that's I, this is interesting because I do think that there is a younger generation for whom this is their Star Wars. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. like Luke, Luke mentioned uh, Grace Duffy, who we didn't invite on this episode because she hates this and I didn't want to like make her relive that. <laughs> Um, but I, I do think that like she's talked about watching The Force Awakens and yeah. seeing herself on screen for the first time. And like I found that incredibly genuinely moving. And I, like I go online, there are people who do fan art for this stuff. There's people who love Rey, who love Kylo Ren, who even if they hate particular choices made, particularly in the last movie, I can see people coming around to this. And I suspect I have noticed um 
because I occasionally, as Luke mentioned, I will occasionally send up a trial balloon into the air and I'll just tweet something randomly about The Last Jedi. And I think that in the past year or so, the there is still visceral pushback. There are still people who are very like graphic about what they Why want to do with me with a lightsaber. Back? What? Why do you do Because I want to see the intensity. You, you're just I think... getting a bit bored. Sitting down in the toilet again. being like, you know what, liven up my <laughs> afternoon. But I am seeing, I think the intensity is kind of lightening. And well, the, like, I feel like there's more love part of, than Part of was. that though, Jaren, is that the, the fans have Mandalorian now, which is very much yes. like... Your dad's Star Wars. No, but like, and, and I don't think I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I don't. I don't want to draw that line in the sand where it's like they like that. It's that bad, you know. But it is kind of giving no. fans what they want. You know, to 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 to, yeah. to to a large extent, and I think that does take the heat off of. And this is the thing. There's this kind of immediacy that you get from the social media age, or that like every, you know the kind of end of history kind of way of treating things everything's happening now and is the most important where thing ever. you know to the extent that this movie is the you know the kind of outlier in the franchise or whatever um because it's star wars that has to be treated like such a big deal where it's like <laughs> you know jason x or new nightmare <laughs> or these kind of like in, in, in other franchises you you get the one weird one the fans have a, a weird relationship with and a lot of times, after a while, they go, "Oh, actually, that one's really good." History finally well, got Star Wars has to be I mean, treated like, like with... this big thing, and that's what I find so <laughs> irritating about it. So, so I am so really much glad I dragged you onto this, Luke. Um, I really like this. Is like a really slow torture mechanism. But Andy M, actually, before we ask like the three questions to get us started, like anything you you've been kind of like quiet, kind of observing <laughs> on the sidelines, sitting on the fence. Like, do you have anything you want to add in terms of this discussion oh of goodness. kind of the last? No, Jedi? well. The, the discussion <laughs> itself, I've, I'm suddenly finding exhausting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I want the record to show that you invited. No, like, no, not I, the, not I the know. Word, but you did ask I, to be here. Like, <laughs> I just realized that the, the discussion about the discussion is is overwhelmingly i totally agree Andy. that's why I, that's why i didn't want to do this yeah it's more, i don't more want to talk about this movie anymore about but i'm i'm a very basic <laughs> observer of films and i just i go in on that really like did i enjoy the shooty shooty pow pow <laughs> laser swords yeah that was a fun film and anything beyond that i'm just like I'm I'm almost <laughs> aggressively reluctant to engage in in the meta I'm discussion. I'm it's sorry, really Andy. Odd. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry, Andy. It's, All right, seriously, right. it's it's triggering my mental health difficulties. It's that, um, <laughs> Okay, okay. I think we, we've had the big discussion then about the, the power relationship with The Last Jedi. Parasocial, because that's the buzzword that everybody's <laughs> using these days, not to date the podcast. So yeah, let, let's brush that aside and only come back to it if we absolutely need to in discussing the episode. So let's let's jump into the spoiler zone, but three questions to get us started. So Alex H., do you think The Last Jedi belongs on a list of the 250 greatest films ever made? What's number two hundred and what's number two hundred and fifty and two hundred and forty nine currently on that list? <laughs> um, Jai Sham Two, which is an Indian movie, and I think Rachasan, which is also an Indian serial killer musical. Well, I love the sound of Indian serial killer musical, but that's not why we're here right now. Um, no, I, I self like that's my and myself and Andrew will be covering that Indian serial killer <laughs> musical at some point. I will now go away and watch that. But um, <laughs> it's on Amazon. I. Um, 
I don't know. I don't think so. I think, I mean, I've watched over 250 films, but not all of them deserve to be on the top list of them. <laughs> but I think... Yeah, leave I, some room for the ones you haven't were, seen. Were the, um, yeah. were the uh, sorry, episode one, two, and three, were they on there as well? They were, but they're not anymore. So the I current feel, Star Wars movies on there are like four, five, and six. I feel if Star Wars The Clone Wars was on that list, then this one should deserve to be on that list, even for a brief period of time. Because, oh, I don't like sand. It's It gets everywhere. Yeah, like, if that can be on the list, then The Last Jedi should be on that list. For its, for its divisiveness alone and the amount of discussion around it and discussion of Star Wars, they've made tons of money and got a lot of people talking about the franchise again. So in that respect, the studios have won, even if all the nerds <laughs> yeah. haven't won in of themselves. So yeah, I think it deserves to be up there if, if the other previous Star Wars films have been on there also. Yeah, and I think that's a very important point to make. I think um, Luke made it as well. Like, I think Angelica Jade Bastien's review of like Wonder Woman 1984 is is a really great piece of writing. It's one of my favorite pieces of journalism from the past year. And she makes the point that like the studios, like even when people are fighting over this stuff, the studios are the ultimate winner. Oh, sorry, uh, Alexander, oh, you look like you. Oh no, I was just I was hand gesturing in a dramatic way to say oh. I agree because at the end of the day, it's going to make money and they're going to make more of them yeah. to, for nostalgia's sake. So kind of everybody wins. <laughs> All right. Um, and Andy, what about yourself? Do you think this is one of the 250 greatest movies ever made? No. <laughs> <laughs> I I really enjoy this film, but no, come on. As I say, every time I come on here, I'm not I'm not sure I've watched that many films. <laughs> no, no. I know for a fact I've watched that many films. Um, as Dwight Schrute says, I, I've I've watched over 200 of them. Um, but uh, no, come on, man. There are there are much better films out there. I mean, I I love Ryan Johnson. He's he's a fantastic filmmaker. But put put any of his other films on the list. But yeah. no, it's a Star Wars film. Come on, <laughs> Alex T. Do you think this is one of the two hundred and fifty greatest movies ever made? No, I agree completely with Andy. Like, it's a very like, no, come on, it's about lasers and spaceships and stuff it's good for a film about lasers and spaceships and stuff but it's it's not one of the 250 best you know um i think it's interesting because i mean we've always talked about this recommend <laughs> i'm like yeah but i suppose that the, the actual 250 list is that list that this like frothing crowd of internet guys <laughs> think is the best 250 <laughs> films yeah, the golden age of cinema is 12 in 1999. Yeah, so like part of me wants to make it every single entry on the 250 just to see what would happen um, and, and <laughs> take them there. But like it's, it's, you know, it's one of the better ones of these Star Wars films. I think this might be an argument for maybe the first Star Wars or even the second one, uh, Return, um, Empire Strikes Back. But even then, you know, I, I'm actually going to have to probably finally, because I've been on enough of these episodes, compile my own 250 and be able to actually tell you. Actually, no, all the films of Agnes Varda actually take precedence over all of this. So <laughs> they, they go first. But no, I don't yes, think. I'm sure. They, Fincher, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, not all of Fincher's. Woof. Some of <laughs> Alien 3 is a masterpiece. Thank I like oh Alien 3. I like Mank. Uh, I like Alien 3. It's Mank Manky. Mank is something. I like Mike. Mike. <laughs> um, like we we get it though. We all have dads whom we love, and you need to you know get that stuff. <laughs> anyway, no, sorry, I don't think um, that that this film should be on the top two hundred and fifty films of, of all time. Um, and Luke, what about yourself? I like I like I like the Last Jedi. 
I like Ryan Johnson. You know, I, I, I really like this movie a lot. I, I agree with Anne. I, I, you know, I, I've said many times, Darren, you're affording this list far too much credibility. By, you're, by you're, hosting a podcast you're giving, on it. You're giving in to these people by asking these questions. <laughs> we're giving in to the white, we're giving in to the straight white men and that's unacceptable. That being said, Darren. <laughs> yeah. I, Let it be shown the re- there are five straight white un- men on this podcast. <laughs> but, so but, I feel I'm allowed to say that. That's <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm, I, I'm not, that's, that's not refuting your point. <laughs> that, that being said, Darren, I know what you want. I know why you asked me to be here and I'm your friend. I, I don't feel good when I see people treating me that way online, Darren. So like you've set me up and here I am. Yes. I, I do think it should be on the IMDb list of the top 250 movies of all time. I think it should be number one on the list of the top 250 movies of all time. I want that Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy that has been quietly dropped. Dear God, do I also want that. Um, all right. And... Before we, we go to, to Andrew, I would also like to say I am also Luke Dunn. But yes, Andrew, do you think this belongs to the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? I am Luke Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, no, no. It's, and and I, 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 I agree with something that Andy said, that there, there is, there is um, uh, at least I think it was Andy, that there are a lot of good um, uh, uh, R- R- Ryan Johnson movies that, 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 that could be um on this list and some that we've watched and some that we've covered like knives out um luke and... was also on very briefly as well yeah 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 and, and uh, um uh, i quite like brick it's yep. been a while since i've seen it but um i think i think for, for it's, these, it's a good solid choice brick. for these Love movies brick. um <laughs> for these movies um uh, i kind of feel sorry for the people who um who are making them because they're they're kind of said Okay, here is all we've done so far, and and now, kind of like like you don't you don't have a kind of a choice of of where the story starts, but you have to kind of, you know, do something interesting with it. So you're going to disappoint, like, so um, all 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 of these other people who kind of like like people people who like the the first movie they 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 kind of are going to want, um some kind of continuity in that like i think with 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 lucas's uh movies he had so much time to kind of like stew in that world and determine what he was going to do whether people liked it or not okay well i yeah that, that's what i was about to say i would argue like one of the big knocks and again as as luke pointed out revisionist knocks against the prequel trilogy is that it's not like the original films is that it's too different um is that it's not offering more of what fans think they want from the original star wars film so i think that any star wars film would get that to be fair yeah and that, that star wars movies become about star wars movies kind of a little bit that's fair and and, and that this is this is that and it does a good job of doing that but that it doesn't get to do something more interesting because star wars is such a a, a big kind of monolith that you just kind of need to address and say kind of like how does this movie feel about star wars and about the way that people should interpret Star Wars and think about it. So that that um, and that it's good at doing that, but the fact that it has to do that kind of um, I I think is make makes it a kind of a lesser movie. And for myself, I would say yes. I th- I do think it belongs on this list in this really? list in particular. Yes, controversially, uh, even as somebody who has like I tried what? To save you. 
<laughs> but okay, the, the argument is, is very simple. First of all, if Return of the Jedi is on here, this is a better movie than Return Agreed. of the Jedi. Second of all, this is a cultural artifact. This is an, whether, for whatever reason, whatever you think of it, this is an important movie in the culture, as far as one can quantify or measure that. It is a film that we are still talking about four years after it was released. How many blockbusters can we say that about? How many movies on the list can we say that about outside of like the canonical ones from the 70s or the Chaplin movies and stuff like that? And like, this is, I would argue, a more significant cultural artifact than, and I am sorry, Warrior, the Tom Hardy, like, ultimate fighting movie, or, and I apologize for this, the Hugh Jackman torture movie Prisoners, which is also on the list as well. I think, like, if you are making a list of the most important and influential films in terms of American cinema, if you're picking a film from the last five years, I think The Last Jedi makes a very solid, very convincing argument that it is an important artifact if you're going to talk about mainstream American pop culture. That is my argument for it being on the list. Is, um, is Warrior... What, what yes. number is Warrior? I don't have it to hand, but we covered I, I really, it earlier I, in the year. I, I that enjoyed that film, but yeah, that is that <laughs> no, is not I, that too. is not two fifty material. Yeah, we, we like we liked it too, but it's 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 like yeah, it's a very strange movie to be where it is. And I, good for it. I like that you say two fifty material. <laughs> it's 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 <laughs> like, naked men punching thing. each other sweatily. It's a mark um, of approval. Yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a very two fifty movie in some senses. Um, all right then, and Alex H, would this be on your own personal two fifty, your own two hundred fifty favorite movies? Like. <clears throat> I think no. I think it would be on the forever changing top 250 based on, as you say, culture and the fans sort of upvoting, downvoting reviews. And I think like with a lot of Star Wars films, this will mature maybe like a fine cheese over time because nobody really like Star Wars is groundbreaking for its time. But I think it's developed into like the Goliath that is now over the years rather than all of that happening at once. So I think maybe like maybe not sort of mid-twenties people like I am now but I think maybe sort of my cousin's age maybe like 18 and younger I think they'll appreciate this a lot more and I think it will be more revered than it is as you say a moment in time and where there was a big sort of changing point on the internet and social media for discussion around this so I'm going to say no personally for me but I think it will have significance in the future Right. And Andy, would it be on your own personal 250 your own 250 favourite movies you've ever seen because we know you've seen at least 200 <laughs> Um, just just to counterpoint Alex there, I think with a bit of luck it will age like a open bottle of Cherry Pepsi Max in that there will be no no fizz left um, and, and it, it will just exist. Andy M really regretting the conversation that he wandered into here. <laughs> no. Um, honestly, Dara, I... I forget the um, the setup of this podcast and if my my ultimate review should come now or later, but I probably would have said yes before last weekend when I rewatched Ooh. it, and my my butt was so numb by the end of the film. I was like, you know what? I don't like this film anymore. We did we did pause it about two hours in and we were like, it's got to be nearly done. And there was another like 33 minutes to go. And we were like, this film is There's long. More. Hasn't everything happened? Everything's got... happened. Andy got up and did some butt yoga. <laughs> just, um, 
kind of like sat cross-legged and watched two sunsets rise as he disappeared, his cape <laughs> billowing in the wind. Um, sorry. But um, all right, then. So that's that's a no, then. So Alex T, what about yourself? Would it be on your own personal 250 favorite? No, ones? again, this is a, a no. Um, I like this one the most of the, the <laughs> recent trilogy. Um, but no, I, I don't think I can say any more. <laughs> Having said it's not in the 250, it wouldn't be in personal. I don't have any great personal kind of what um, Alex H was saying and, and Luke was saying as well. Like, I think it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, the kids who grew up with this one and were really excited and had the toys and stuff have an enormous um, sort of uh, gratitude and, and a nostalgia for this film as they get older. Um, but I'd imagine because they'll all be strangling each other for oil and fighting rising <laughs> oceans and stuff, it probably won't be the same as us. But if, you know, it, it, there might be something there. It's just, I, I think I'm too old now to appreciate this, you know, and that magic that I, I probably had for the return of the Jedi and for Empire Strikes Back and, and the New Hope and all that. It's it's hard for me to imagine because it, for those, they, they feel like such so of their era or something and it does kind of feel like they, there is some sort of magic there or something because they they simultaneously feel futuristic while also something from the past and i i kind of wonder if the big um sort of cgi heavy it's an extremely beautiful film but like even there's a shot yeah. towards the end where they're in a deck of you know an imperial cruiser or something and it's all cgi you know and i, I do respect that there is a lot of practical effects and stuff but this particular shot it's just there's a shiny stormtrooper and instead of like the 20 stormtroopers that they probably had in new hope they've got 2000 and the whole thing is just all mirrors and glass Copy and, and paste, like 400 yeah. um 8080s and stuff and it's all very cool but I, I just kind of wonder does that you know trigger a child's imagination and, and everything in the same way that when the Emperor's ship arrives in the third one into the same kind of holodeck, but it all looks real, you know, and it's probably all miniatures and stuff, but it looks real. And it has tactile, tactile. Exactly. So going a little bit off track, no, I don't think it's in my top 250, but I would be interested if, um, you know, people, um, kids in the future and stuff uh, kind of have an appreciation for it. Yeah, I've joked that, like, in the future, if you're ever, like, wandering through the ruins of a city and you want to see if it's abandoned, just shout, I love The Last Jedi. And as soon as you hear back, The Last Jedi sucks, you know that you're surrounded. And you load your gun. Um, you're assuming that yeah. this city is Twitter. <laughs> that is fair. Um, yeah. but so like, what are you talking about? I, Luke, what about yourself? Is this one of your own personal 250 favorite movies ever? Yeah. Number one, Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 or <laughs> Ghostbusters 3? Which, Ghostbusters 2016 or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, number three, theatrical quote, Suicide Squad. Yeah, great. No notes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no. I mean, I think that the, insofar as a list of 250 movies is an attempt to be representative of what you love about film, I think that there are definitely things in this film that are representative of what I love about film. And some of them have been referenced already by the others. Um. Luke, big and... fan of CGI stormtroopers. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I, I like Darren, you, yourself and myself talked about Dune recently, haven't seen that, and the ways that that film left me cold and the ways that that, for me personally, didn't emotionally resonate. And I think that there are things in this that do emotionally resonate with me. But the very idea of having to say to another human being that this is on 
the top 250 <laughs> list of my movies of all time. And the, the ways in which, in whatever direction, that would change that person's perception. <laughs> like, is it worth it, Darren? This is Darren, why are we... Why are we even here? here? Yeah, okay. Um, I have is... things to do today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's my turn to clean the apartment. And Andrew, what about yourself? Whatever you're doing over Sugar, there. I've just knocked over something. Okay. I, it, just what as Luke said, cleaning the apartment. Oh, there's some water spilled. Oh, One moment. Okay, we are recording in my bedroom. I am slightly panicking at what Andrew... My bedroom that contains lots of electrical equipment as well. Oh, actually. wait, I, I thought... Andrew just wants I to escape. was Andrew's, <laughs> yeah. like... Um, metaphorical review of the film <laughs> yeah just like smash andrew smash for myself probably not it is i think probably my second or third favorite star wars film behind the empire strikes back um but i again we've talked about this i don't have the same emotional attachment to star wars that a lot of people have i think they're cool because space wizards and laser battles are cool i think they're very you know i think the good ones are really well made and fun and exciting uh but yeah it wouldn't be on my own personal 250 i like it i think it's a very good blockbuster I'm happy to watch it. My appreciation for it has grown over the years. But yeah, that is that is kind of where I stand on it. Uh, I really like it, but 250 is not that many movies, Darren says, in contrast to literally every other guest we have on the podcast. Where they're like, 200, I don't know if I could rank 250. Darren's like, 250 is only, that's basic numbers. Um, all right then, so... That's how much you watch in a week? <laughs> so, so before we jump into the Spoiler Zone, final question, lightning round. Alex H., if listeners have not seen The Last Jedi... And I mean, this conversation hasn't put them off the prospect of wading into that. Uh, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? No. No? No, you have to You have to watch it with a group of people so you can basically all heckle at it at the same time, which is why I think Andy, uh, Andy is now ruined because of The Last Jedi, because I basically sat there with him, focused on entirely the wrong things and kept heckling it for the entire two and a half hours. So I apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> all right. And on that note, Andy M, is, is that the best way to watch The Last Jedi? And would you recommend that listeners watch it that way or otherwise? I, I think that, um, yeah, pause the podcast and go back to its first release date and, um, and go and see it in the cinema without any outside discussion bothering you. And um, yeah, you'll have an amazing time, 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 time. disconnect did you on no i i i I didn't listen yeah i just want to i think you blew the entire house andrew's electrical circuited the whole the whole operation i mean yeah they've all been electrocuted (laughs) in their bed (laughs) oh god it would be very fitting that they both like just died (laughs) from the podcast died in bed together. together yeah Oh no, why am I the host now? This has gone way out of control and off the rails. Oh, this is your no. podcast now. <laughs> Welcome to my Star Wars feminist podcast with me and three white guys. Uh, <laughs> no, oh dear. I actually hope nothing has broken because that would actually be tragic. I can't have that conversation again. <laughs> I didn't even want to have it the first time. It, it didn't record. Sorry, Luke. We're going to have to bring it up. I thought, oh, I no. really genuinely thought I wanted this conversation, but it turns out it's. Uh, the movie? You are talking about the movie. It's all. It's I just all that's what I have realize. to get through yeah. before you get to it. The problem is. Okay, but who here likes the porgs, though? Like, who thinks they're a waste of time and who thinks they're actually quite cute? All right. 
I'm team Porg. I love the Porgs. They're cute. I love the Porgs as well. I like the Porgs. And I think it's a good way of like, because I really like the island where they shot that and of like getting rid of the puffins and everything. Like that's a nice solution. It's mm. Kids like them. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, Darren says, please don't stop recording. We'll reconnect. Think Andrew blew the circuit. Fantastic. Oh wow! So he did actually write everything. <laughs> but so, Alex, is it still? Does it still say it's recording? No, no it doesn't. Recording it just says. Um, I don't know if it if the meeting's still recording. It just says I'm the host now. I I'm not going to lie. I'm very inexperienced on Zoom. I'm not sure how it works. You can, you if it says as, as the host, does it say pause? Can you see like pause, stop recording? Is there like oh yeah. oh I. Oh, here we okay. go. We're, okay, we're it's recording. recording now. It's recording now. I think the problem is you'd, you'd want to talk about the actual film and like what worked and what didn't work, but so much of it is kind of like, I'm not for a mo like Laura Dern's my favorite actress, but like some of that Holo stuff doesn't work as well. But then you also don't want to be the guy complaining about yeah, exactly. that character. <laughs> you know, no, you don't want to. It's like you have to be relentlessly positive about it because you're you're not actively against it. Like, this is why I went to go see that I went to go see that Ghostbusters remake just purely out of like I can't believe I'm being forced to go <laughs> to this <laughs> Ghostbusters remake and like buy a ticket opening weekend because of a million terrible <laughs> bros on the internet. Yeah. Well, then you see the trailers for that new one and it's like these people have won. Like, oh, they it's won. Just, yeah, it's like in, in it, not hating on Stranger Things but it gives me that Stranger Things vibe and like Stranger Things was already the nostalgia vibe but is its own thing so now they're sort of applying that template to more franchises nostalgia nostalgia even that it's yeah, directed by like your man's son as well just the whole thing is so depressing I don't know what that mm. means though I mean like my dad was a mechanic when I was growing up and if if you said that this car was repaired by me and my dad was a mechanic. This, I, I don't think that it's, gives him any uh, directorial chops. To be honest. It's, it's so strange though, because like Jason Reitman directed Tully and Young Adult. And those are both movies about, you know, the dangers of getting yeah. a car in your own <laughs> nostalgia and have clouding that can make your vision. So, I mean, I guess he just didn't have that much. Uh, I think it's more, Diablo Cody's uh, fingerprints on them, I suppose. Maybe he didn't understand what those movies were about. I remember a few years ago, The Onion had a story um, where it was like, Aaron Eckhart says he makes one Detective Frankenstein movie for them, one Detective Frankenstein movie for him. <laughs> and, but, like, it's true. You don't really get those, you know, clear sort of, like, one studio, one for them anymore. The whole, like, model is completely thrown. It's sort of... If he's going to make Ghostbusters Afterlife, great, but I guarantee you it'll be like Ghostbusters Afterlife 2 will be his, his next film if it's a success. It's not he, like he's going to go make Young Adult 2 or anything. Yeah, it, I kind of feel sorry for anyone who like directs anything or like writes anything to do with Star Wars because I'm assuming like that the, I don't know like the details of what, if there was studio pushback for this and I don't know like the exact names or anything because I'm not I'm not in that deep, man. I didn't dive that deep into into Reddit and the forums, but um it would be interesting to see if Ryan Johnson's original vision what was what is made. Because looking at his other work, it feels like they sort of cut him off halfway through writing a lot of the stories. Like, Benicio Del Toro was there for like five minutes. And I'm like, if you're going to have Benicio Del Toro there, why was he only there for five minutes? And like Andy Serkis didn't even get much time as Snoke. And it's kind of like, 
Yeah, it just all felt a bit weird to me. Yeah, it's really I don't, distracting. don't think the movie needs more time, though. <laughs> no, but it is really distracting when famous people show up in Star Wars. It's supposed to be no-name actors... Yeah, sort of, and not even like famous, but like off the chain. Benicio del Toro, like I'm going to do a weird accent and tick, and everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, do that." And then he like never shot, and like it's sort of left as if the end, like he's with the Empire because he made sorry the First Order, and he's with, and he's made the deal and has gone off, and like we never hear from him for the rest of time ever again. Yeah, so I don't know. He's living his best life. He he. Why not just make that Lando, you know, and have Lando betray them? Because I think I remember. I think I remember that that was at one point mooted uh, and then it was like not differential enough to the original trilogy. So I think it was, I don't I, I could be paraphrasing this, but I think that was shot down that idea. And uh, then it's like, well, now we have to, now, now it's potential to the world. And it's like they, Captain Phasma, they did her so dirty with that fight scene at the end. Like there's no way. There's no way you can kill Gwendolyn Christie that easy. She no. was great so in the sorry. first one. She was so scary and everything. And I was like, wow. And yeah. then she just falls down a hole. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't shiny no more. <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, maybe she'll be in the third one then. It's like, maybe she was. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell <laughs> she, you. She, do you know what? She wasn't because I love her so much from Game of Thrones. I was like, is she actually going to survive? No. She was just, she's just what, gone. What out of my life. I don't know. Maybe she asked to be removed. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. She was like, I don't need any of this. I don't need any of this uh, assault on the internet. Thank yeah, you. I, I've, already got, uh, I've already got stuff coming at me from Game of Thrones. I don't need this. And it, like, it's, yeah, you, you just don't get that one for you, one for me thing anymore. Because the original idea was for Ryan Johnson to get his own little trilogy to play with. And then he wasn't doing that. And you think, great. And I remember Alex saying to you, like, we were in agreement, like, Knives Out is a great movie on its own merits. It doesn't need to be its own thing. And now Netflix is like, we're going to do 10 Knives Out yeah. movies. You're going to be so We're all going to cost a billion dollars. And it's like, I like that movie. I'll probably watch the next one, but it just, it's just an exhausting prospect. It's like, Star Wars done well in my mind is Rogue One. I really enjoyed Rogue One. I don't know how other people here feel about it. And we're coming back. Okay. Okay, ground. Uh, there we go. An unknown error occurred. Okay, so we are back charging. We have connection to the internal Wi-Fi. The internal Wi-Fi is going to connect to the internet. There we go. We're back. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. Oh, hello. Very sorry, everybody. Perfect. Grant, thank you. Sorry about that. No, no, I'm sorry. Jesus, Darren didn't do it. Yeah, no. apologize more, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. One hey, thing hi. we did. One thing we did discuss. Do you guys like the porgs? Or do you think they're a waste of time? I think they look really tasty. <laughs> they, they look. I tell you good. what, I really um, needed Chewbacca to bite into that porg, not just. Yeah, I well, that was the well. food waste. The, not to jump too far ahead in podcast like form itself, but yeah, that's food yeah. waste. We can go into food waste anytime. I, I think I got the impression he was definitely going to eat it, but I needed to see him bite into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys like Kevin McAllister not eating that mac and cheese at the end of <laughs> Home Alone. Home Alone. Well, I mean, you guys know the deal with the porks, right? They were created to disguise the puffins yeah, on Skellig like Michael because they couldn't move the puffins. Oh, okay. Sorry. This is the problem of joining the discussion later. All right. So let's get this back on track. So, uh, not on my 250. Alex, 
Alex T, sorry. Um, if listeners have not watched The Last Jedi, would you recommend they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? Um, Again, kind of, I wouldn't say to start with this one. I, I don't think, I think like all Star Wars <laughs> movies, it only works as part of a whole. I think watching a one in isolation, aside from maybe the first one, um, is a, quite a jarring experience because I think inevitably they, they need bridges to the next one. You know, even though you can kind of follow, I'd imagine, what's going on, I think they're really are a series and it's been running for god nearly what 50 years now um 60 yeah. years and um the appreciation 44 years i think yeah this was this was the 40th anniversary present um and fans were very excited to get it and the appreciation i suppose is often like oh i see how that works and oh it's a story that's going on so i think no you shouldn't necessarily just watch one in isolation um like this one but it, it is a good one, if you're going to watch Star Wars movies, you know, it's it's one to look forward to, I find, rather than, than some of the others. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely. And, and kind of similar to what Andy was saying, if you can just, like, ignore the, you know, clouds of hatred and, and stuff around it on the internet, all the more reason, you know. Like, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to, um, like, I have a son now, so I, I am looking forward to the day where he can appreciate films, and, and, and these are the kind of films I would hope that, like, you know, you can you can show, and, and it's actually funny, because the two names that we were kind of down to were Oscar and Rian, and I only <laughs> realized that, like, earlier, talking about this film, like, maybe I do love this film, <laughs> maybe this is my favorite film. Um, all right, then, and Luke, what about yourself? Would you recommend that listeners watch this movie? Yes, I think everyone should watch this movie. I think it should be mandatory for and I think that you, I also think that you have to like it. And if you don't like it, you're an idiot and a coward. Thank you. Thank no, you, Luke. No. We, like, I, had, how many of these Star Wars things have you had me on, Darren? Like, I, yeah. I, I fundamentally don't believe that somebody who hasn't seen a Star Wars movie needs to to stop what they're doing and go watch one because it's like <laughs> you kind of you, you've made a conscious choice at this point you're committed well, yeah and it's also like you got the gist of it there's there's space lasers you know there's people with silly names and also like I, as i say i love this movie it's like long man. it's like nearly three <laughs> hours long so like you can you can do that but you're not going to remember to to unpause the podcast and listen to us at the end of it because you're you're like it'll be dark by then like it's 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 not something i can in good conscience recommend like i've made my choices there i have to live with them now you know listeners to our podcast have lots of time (laughs) (laughs) you can tell because they listen to the podcast um but andrew what about yourself would you recommend that listeners watch this movie um yeah yeah i guess yeah it it, <laughs> it, it looks um incredible it um, does it's a stunningly i, I, I think a, a, a lot of what you've said earlier is 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 quite true um uh, that's not what luke says in this movie um, um <laughs> every word that, <laughs> that Aaron just said is true um yeah, it's a uh, and it it's it's spectacular. I will say I didn't like it, <laughs> but uh, but I I won't I won't I won't tell people not to watch it because like kind of that I I didn't like it. Um, you might like it a lot. Yeah, and and there are things to enjoy in it. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a gorgeously made film just on its own terms. I think it's a really well-made blockbuster at a time when I find myself increasingly frustrated by blockbusters that feel less artisanal than this one, which is ironic given it is, as we noted, a two and a half hour Star Wars movie. Um, But like this does feel like the product of somebody with a unique perspective, working with a team who are very good at their job and are being allowed to do their job to the best of their abilities. I think it is a beautiful looking film. I also think it's clever. I think it's fun. I think it's insightful. You like this a lot. I could see you kind of like speaking lines of it as the movie was going on. And and I was like, is Darren really like this? Yeah. Well, I do really like this. I mean, it's not in my own personal 250, but I do really like this movie. Mm. Um, And I I find every time I go back to it, I find that there's more in it. it. It's a movie that has a great deal of depth. I would say, however, please stop. At the end of this, just... Go outside, uh, take a deep breath and like consider yourself happy that you got a movie that is as good as this one and do not pursue this any further. That <laughs> well, there is nothing else saying. to see because yeah. they didn't make any more movies after. <laughs> no. I think it? after, yeah, exactly. after yeah. watching The Last Jedi, you should go and watch the, the Matrix sequels. <laughs> <laughs> not The Matrix, just the sequels. Just the sequels, yeah. On that note, we're going to segue. I, I I have to say, like I, I do find the Rise of the Skywalker stuff odd because i i'm kind of like like a, a lot of what we say about this movie where it's like ah it's a star wars movie like you know it's star wars stuff like just kind of get on board with it it's like watching the rise of skywalker and listening to people kind of like give their criticisms of it it's like yeah it's a star wars movie uh, andrew the rise All of skywalker is not a star is wars movie. Other star wars <laughs> really movie. The, the rise of skywalker is a focus group tested uh, content delivery the rise movie. of skywalker oh is God. a star wars executive meeting and I hate meetings, so <laughs> like I like I, we we're not going to derail it into we will be talking will we be talking about the Rise of Skywalker at but some point I, in the future? But like it's really not that dissimilar from like, from this one. No, no, I think there's a lot of kind of criticisms that you could give um, uh, to the Force Awakens, like that you could, you could probably give to the Rise of Skywalker. I think um, that's reasonably fair. I yeah. do also think that like the 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 Force Awakens has the advantage of a being the first Star Wars movie in ten years, yeah, uh, and therefore having a fresh kind of like bed, and it coming like after the prequels, which were like derided by fans for being so different. And I think it gets away on novelty, and I think it's well made. And while I I do not think Abrams is like a visionary director who is one of the best of his generation, I think that you can feel Abrams like excitement Mm. as much as Luke may describe that excitement as like masturbating over a Super 8 film. But you can sense um, you can sense Abrams like thrill at getting to work with this. Whereas when you watch Rise of Skywalker, at least for me, you can feel the three executives leaning over the back of Abrams neck, breathing down his throat, saying, (laughs) look, don't. Like whatever you do, like don't, you you gotta have Rose Tika in the film because we don't want it to seem like we removed the only like female of color. But you also don't put her in too much because the internet doesn't seem to like her that much. So if you could put her in just enough that we can say she's in the movie, but not enough that like Twitter gets angry about it, that'd be great. And every decision in the movie is made following that exact line of like, and then it's like and reason. we've got another woman of color for you. Um, we kind of like the idea that she's Lando's daughter, but maybe don't confirm that because that would be racist, but also maybe imply that's the case. So, yeah. We, I mean, we also like we, we want Lando to feel vigorous. So if he could like flirt with a woman at the end of the movie and like kind of give her the flirty eyes. But like we don't want it to seem creepy or unusual. So maybe if the woman's like his daughter, but don't say that because that's weird. And American audiences don't like that. Just what American, American audiences. audiences. 
they, they do <laughs> like European mother. audiences are much more the big they hidden like mothers and, <laughs> yeah. they like mothers and daughters uh, sorry uh, 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 fa- fa- father, fathers and daughters dancing together can I, can I, oh, leave, can I uh, leave this podcast now <laughs> on that note we're going to segue talking about the guns on the, on that note, we're going to segue neatly yeah, into the... the spo- we're going to segue... Let the man <laughs> segue. <laughs> Please, God, let this end. We're going to segue neatly what, what, into the spoilers. Why were the executives <laughs> behind J.J. Abrams saying, make them build spaceships underground and don't explain how they get their shopping? Because, Andy, they need bigger lasers because you've already had a planet-sized Death Star and then you've got a ship that can kill things like the Death Star but smaller. So now you need lots of those ships with We're so many more lasers. Two years. I'm sorry. The Force Awakens is like, it's like recording a podcast. Well done, Andrew. I'm sorry. You got I'm, a sorry. Very, I'm so sorry. you got a very clear idea of what you no, want to no, do. No, no, not you. Not, you're not the Andrew responsible for this, Andy. <laughs> it's your maker. It's like, how did they order Tesco to the Sith planet? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right, on that note, we're going to segue neatly into the spoiler zone. <laughs> so, Luke. <laughs> this is what happens when so, I actively participate in this conversation. <laughs> That was that was not you, Andy. That was Andrew. That was until, like we were on the verge of leaving, and Andrew's like, "I want to talk about the yeah, Rise of Skywalker for a moment." Whatever, whatever happened when Andrew knocked over that class? It's just like spread <laughs> through the meeting. He's ruined the he's ruined the safe space discussion of this zone, and now everything's chaos. Yeah. Um, so, so Luke, what is the Last Jedi about for you? The Last Jedi, Darren, is a movie about failure. It's a movie about what happens when we fail. It's a movie about the people that we put up on a pedestal and how, however highly we put them up or their IP, they will fail. And what we do with that inevitability, how we move forward from our own mistakes and how we accept our own mistakes and mm, hold on to them as part of who we are. And also it's about porks. Um, but yeah, to, to, to bring it to focus on the pre-pork part of the discussion, because I feel like we've already kind of tucked in. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of meat on to get into on the porgs. Um, but I do think that, like, to bring it back to what you said there about it being about failure. And, like, this is the thing where Andrew said all Star Wars movies, at the point Star Wars is so large culturally that every Star Wars movie is a discussion about Star Wars. And I think that Star Wars is the rare franchise where you can get away with that because Star Wars is so ubiquitous in American culture. It's so tied to American identity that you can kind of get away with that. And so this discussion that takes place in the film is a discussion about like the future of Star Wars and who it belongs to. It's a terrible Does... fa- place filled with the worst people in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. A wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah, um, but it's like, like is, is that an anti-capitalist sentiment? Or, or is it just a commentary on Star Wars fandom? Yeah. But no, I okay. I, I think though, to be fair, like it, it's about like, where does the future of the franchise lie? Does it lie with this old man, Luke Skywalker? Does it lie with a more diverse generation? Oh. Like, does it lie with people like Rey, who is essentially an elevated fan, who wasn't like, who, who represents something new and something exciting. The Force but, does not belong to the Jedi. Yes, that is that is what I was going to get to there. But I also think that if you if you step back, it all is also, as Luke said, a discussion about like American identity in the 21st century, where you it is a meditation on the failure of the boomer generation. Um, 
to put it frankly, um, and to like lay the cards on the table or my cards on the table, where the original Star Wars is a product of post Watergate, post Vietnam, and yes, Andrew, post moon landing. (laughs) People are disappointed with the moon landing. But the idea was that during the 60s, you had this idea that America was going to change. You had a social revolution. You had protests in universities. You had the idea we are going into space. We're going space is going to be new and exciting and we're going to change the world. This generation of kids born after the Second World War are a clone war, if you will, because it's World War II, and we will make the world a better place than the one we inhabited. We will fix it all. And then you fast forward, as Alex T. pointed out, 40 years later, and you look at the world that we are living in now, and you look at the world that was shaped by these boomers, and what you have is, like, during the 70s, those boomers became disillusioned, the Star Wars movies being metaphors for, like, Vietnam, being metaphors for that trauma, for Watergate with the Emperor as Nixon. But you also have, during the 80s, those boomers selling out. You have Luke, for example, in Return of the Jedi, deciding, I don't really care about all this rebellion crap. I don't care about overthrowing the Empire and, like, bringing freedom to the galaxy. I just want to feel like my dad's a good man. And I want him, you know, I want my dad to die. And I want to think to myself, God, what a good man my dad was. I have no issues. I got nothing else to deal with. And what I think The Last Jedi is about is about dealing with the legacy of that. It's like, well, Luke and his generation didn't actually deal with the fundamental problems that they were reacting to. They didn't solve the fundamental problems in like galactic society or metaphorically in the world in which we live. And the movie is very directly about confronting that because... And again, this is one of the things where it's about Star Wars, but it's also a commentary about, like, wider society. The movie borrows loosely the structure of both The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So Rey goes to train with an old Jedi Master who was a protagonist in the previous trilogy. That Jedi Master is unconventional. He is confrontational. He is defined by his failure, but he teaches her anyway. Then Rey leaves him to go off and to confront a person, and that person is a bad person who has done terrible things and caused untold suffering across the galaxy. And Rey is convinced that she can do what Luke did in Return of the Jedi, which is go there, have a conversation, and leave convinced that this guy is a nice guy underneath it all, and all our problems will magically go away. And then the last Jedi pulls the rug out from under her. This is not going to go the way that you expected, Will, as Luke says, and reveals that no, actually, hoping that the problem will solve itself because you would like it to will not solve the fundamental problem. And you have to kind of grapple and kind of confront that and wrestle with that. And it becomes, again, as Andrew said, a discussion about like Star Wars and the central themes of the original trilogy, but also arguably about the identity of America itself. So that is my big take on The Last Jedi. Um, Am I completely off the rails? Is this all nonsense? Am I talking out parts of my anatomy? The interesting thing for me is is that um, Kylo Ren kind of um, does sort of give in to her. But her, it, it seems that she wants him to join the rebellion. And the part of the movie, the, the, the kind of point that Benicio Del Toro's kind of character is trying to make is that they're all kind of part of this military industrial complex. And that... Kylo Ren is 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 saying kind of like they're they're all bad you know let them die and Andrew's like I kind of root with that yeah yeah I kind of I the 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 the, let the past die kill it if you have to 
Well, that 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 they they could like kind of um, build again from year zero, start over. Yeah, yeah. That 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 the you you kind of lose sight of 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 what kind of is um is 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 being fought for a lot of the time. I think this is this is my response to that because I think there is a bit of that in there. Like, there's it's very notable that the older generation of characters and like again. One of the things, as somebody who likes puns, I appreciate the Canto Blight subplot is about people who go looking for an MC but find a DJ instead. Um, but I love that, uh, yes, several people on the podcast flinched. I apologize for that. But, MC? They're looking, yeah, they're looking for a master codebreaker oh, and they end okay. up with D- with a DJ. Very good. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that Alex T got that one straight away. But like, so you have, but the, you have these older characters, you have Luke and you have DJ and DJ was originally supposed to be Lando Calrissian, but then Ryan Johnson decided that fans would not deal with like Lando being treated in that way. They would react very strongly against Should have gone for it. But like, idea- look what happened. He might as well have just like in for a penny, in for a pound, as they say in <laughs> Knives Out. Just go for it. Yeah. yeah, just commit to it. But you have these older generation are all like, oh, it's all morally relative. It's all very complicated. It's all like the universe, like people make money selling weapons to good guys and bad guys. So nothing means anything. You have Luke saying the Jedi Order doesn't matter. Nothing really matters because we all failed. So why try anyway? And the movie is, I would argue, a repudiation of that point. Because, like, you have that wonderful moment where DJ takes his cash and he's loading it out and he's like, uh, you blow them up this time, they blow you up next time. That's the way it works. And you have, like, Finn in that moment realize that the resistance is worth fighting for. And Finn says, you're wrong. And DJ's reply, which is a moment I absolutely love, is maybe. Because DJ is so morally relative that his moral relativism is treated relativistic. <laughs> That's funny, actually, like he, he is... um, in the commentary, Rian Johnson talks about that exact point, and he had a big, long speech that Benicio Del Toro was supposed to give, and then Benicio read it and said, maybe I just say maybe, and he was like, actually, that that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, like that that's the thing is that it's I think it's a repudiation. I don't think you're meant to take those at face value. Like you're that's meant to be the oh, why try? It's like it's the ethical consumption under capitalism. It's the why should I bother trying to do anything or make the world a better place when me doing anything won't statistically make any difference. Me recycling won't make any difference to like climate change. Um so why should I recycle? All that sort of stuff. That's what I think the movie's getting at there. No, it's 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 the kind of um because because I because I um because I'm against American imperialism, do I do I support the Viet Cong? Is 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 the kind of question. And then for for a lot but, of people, that's a very easy question to answer. They're like, yes, um, well, yes, I mean, so you support the Viet Cong, and others is kind of like, yeah, yeah but, I'm not so sure. I I I don't know, kind of um, if 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 I like um. Uh, in a village and it's unclear kind of where my allegiances lie what's going to kind of happen to me when 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 they arrive and i think like and again not not to and again this is the thing where it sounds like i love this movie more than i do i do really like this movie but i think that it is grappling with that because you have one of the big things with the star wars franchise as we talked about is that like the rebels are metaphors for the Viet Cong. right they're also metaphors for the American revolutionaries. They're fighting this imperialist power, and the imperialist power is a metaphor for, like, Britain and the United States. It's also the United States in Vietnam, all this sort of stuff. And I think Johnson makes a point in The Last Jedi to explain what the difference is between the rebels in this fictional Star Wars magical universe that he has constructed 
and like actual honest to goodness terrorists. In some ways, I would argue it's a continuation or extension of what Gareth Edwards was doing in Rogue One, where Rogue One is like, well, what if the Rebel Alliance is like the Taliban? Or what if they're like uh, the Muhajin and all this sort of stuff? What if they are like these people who do suicide bombings, who do kill civilians or have collateral damage and, and kind of the stuff that they do and how uncomfortable that makes us as viewers? And Johnson's response to that is like, well, no, this is a magical franchise about space wizards and lightning swords. So we can actually say that our heroes aren't those terrorists because you have that key moment where Finn is about to do a suicide run um, on the blaster cannon. And Rose stops him and says, you don't win by destroying what you hate. You win by saving what you love. And And that's at a point that they're losing. Yes. Yeah. But they do manage to escape. They yeah, do manage to survive. They, they keep the the kind of the flame. The, fl- the idea, like, because like, yeah. it's it's the, that's the big moment at the end is Broom Boy. It's the idea that the Rebel Alliance will continue. It will live on in the spirit. The Force has been democratized. <laughs> Anybody like can be a hero. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Is Broom Boy, the DJ. Well, you you, you know what, Star Wars fans. <laughs> DJ Broom Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> Star Wars fans, Broom Boy is my favorite character. <laughs> I love it. No, Darren, uh, that, that, I think what's interesting about that point is because, and I don't know how deliberately Johnson is kind of making this point, but because The Force Awakens establishes these new characters, these four core new characters, very much as Star Wars fans who love being in Star Wars. Yes. Uh, and The Last Jedi is kind of about, well, where you know where do you where, where what is your place in this in, in, in the world and how do you kind of bring it forward? everybody's a star wars fan the one of the many issues with with modern fandom which is kind of borne out by the last jedi, jedi is how closely people tie their identities to the the things that they love or the things that they enjoy to the point where it sometimes some people act like just liking something or disliking something is doing something you know like, like the idea of going to see the Ghostbusters movie to, to stick it to the people that don't like it or downvoting it because it's not your Star Wars or your Ghostbusters or whatever. And, and it's activism. And, yeah. And in general, the, the kind of that's enough activism for today approach that some people sometimes find themselves falling into is, is, is the failure in its own part to actually do anything that's useful. And what you see with these characters in this movie is their shortcomings in, in 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 just wanting to sit back and be part of Star Wars and let it kind of wash over. Yeah, let it happen. There are limits to that, and these characters need to take a step forward uh, to 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 kind of forge their own path, to forge their own identities. Like Kylo, and, and they all do that in their own way. Like Finn, it's not enough for him to just say, "I don't want to be part of the First Order or the Empire." Like he has to go through this journey into becoming. Uh, a rebel and having his own ideals you know yes um like poe it's not enough for him to be this archetype of the 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 arrogant flyboy he actually has to if if he, Learn how if to be he's in the military <laughs> yeah. he has to have he has to have this kind of uh uh this leadership kind of role he has to have some sort of uh end point for the star wars in mind you know um he can't just keep blowing things up uh, and, and, and like Kylo, similarly, it's it, it's not just enough for you to wear Darth Vader cosplay. <laughs> what do you want to be? You know, 
I mean, the next movie would disagree with that. One of the like, one of the great like telling images of the rise of Skywalker is him like smoldering his hat and his helmet back together. And for Ray, it's yeah. like what you know. It, it, you've been given this mystery box of what where you fit in the Star Wars universe, and what this movie is trying to bring its character, its main character, to uh, is you have to decide for yourself where you want to go, and like if builds right up to this pivotal point of having to make that decision um how successfully it manages doing all this with all these four characters and doing a lot of other things i think is uh well one thing that i variable on that point that, that i really liked and and was immediately frustrating when i saw it the first time i think like a lot of people is that line about where um daisy ridley character comes from and and everyone assuming like nobody's from yeah nowhere. is she obi-wan's niece that she's luke's daughter and all this stuff and i really really liked at the time and I remember disagreeing with the people i saw it with that kylo ren says you're no one and that after six or sorry at that stage yeah six seven films of essentially following a royal family um and and you know power and and privilege being passed down the idea that now you're just following someone who, much like the original Anakin Skywalker, one day a child is born in the world's worst place and, you know, you follow that story. Maybe you're following another child like that. And maybe social and class and, and where you're from doesn't necessarily dictate the rest of your life. And I found that like an immediately kind of moving uh, idea and, and, and such a yeah. powerful one to do because... So much of the hubbub and talk after The Force Awakens was fans coming up with theories of trying to fit Rey into the established characters. The established and, 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 oh, she has to fit into this Skywalker saga. And so what I, well, that was the, the thing that actually made me really like this film. And even though there are parts of it that I, I really don't like and I think it's too long and all those other things, I still think that's an immensely brave choice to just have a film kind of like a reverse of the return of the Jedi. Like I am not your father, you know, you're, you're actually not from anywhere. You're, you could be anyone. And then not to get into it, but the thing I hated most about the next film <laughs> was the complete reversal of that. And the kind of like, actually no, um, that none of that's true. You, you have to, you, like a woman yeah. has power. She has to have inherited from a man. But that's a very Star Wars thing. It is. And that's why I like this it's, one for, for, um, okay okay i want i want to back up against i want to back up first on, on that one right what's interesting about the last jedi i would argue is that it does essentially what the empire strikes back did in that it takes the established lore of the what you know star wars to be at that point because alex is right alex said anakin was born in the middle of nowhere and turned out to be a nobody if you watch the original star wars what is now known as a new hope what is now episode four the whole point is Luke is born in the middle of nowhere. He is an orphan. He's adopted by this yeah. uncle. He feels like he doesn't fit in. He is nobody from nowhere. Yeah. You watch Which the film. Which is what's from... set up in the Last Jedi for Rey. Yes. No. That that's and that's then, the thing. Like, like like the Empire Strikes Back undermines um, that that point in the second movie. It's the the rise of Skywalker undermines that point in in the okay. third movie. Two things I would note about that. First of all is I don't, I wouldn't describe The Empire Strikes Back as like undermining it. I think it's subverting expectations, putting a twist yeah. on it in that it catches the, like it catches the audience off guard because it breaks the rules that the audience It's a good twist. It's like point. the original it's good a, it's, twist. It's just, it's been yeah, played it, 8 million times. The mind times. blows. Yeah. Yeah, the, the mind is blown by it because the mind's like, I never thought that connection could exist. And then 
over the next intervening eight films. I don't, by the okay. way, I don't like the, the, the Rise of Skywalker's reveal. I, I just think it's a very, it's getting uh, more back to Star Wars and further away from something like uh, Rogue One that I really liked. Or this, where I really like the aspect of it, that, that she is not part of like this royal dynasty. But I, I, my I, I like that. I don't like the Rise of Skywalker. I just think it was a very kind of typical Star Wars kind of choice to make. But my argument is that this, this again, after, like, so Empire Strikes Back comes out. Fans' minds are blown by the revelation. It shatters everything that they think they know about Star Wars. Over the next seven films, it is reinforced continuously that you have to have a bloodline. You have yeah. to trace your dynasty back. In order to inherit power, you have to be related to somebody who is important yeah. along the way, right? So it's very now, established Star Wars. What I would say is that what The Last Jedi does is it does to the films between The Empire Strikes Back and The Force Awakens exactly what The Empire Strikes Back did to the original Star yeah. Wars. It yeah. turns it on its head and it challenges what audiences think this franchise is about. And it, it reaches that point where what was once a subversion is now so fundamental to the identity of the franchise that the only way to do that, the only way to play with it or subvert it is to break it and shatter it. And this is I'm going to do something that Andrew hates on this podcast, just to forewarn everybody. I would argue that The Last Jedi is not the second film in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. It is instead perceived, best perceived as the third film in a triptych of 2017 movies subverting the chosen one narrative the other two we have covered so on this podcast yes so first one is gardens of the galaxy in which the main character discovers he is a literal god that has inherited fa- power from his father kurt russell and it ends with him saying i want to be normal i don't want to be the god the child of a god i want to be a normal human being if you destroy me you'll be normal just like everybody else what's but, wrong um, with that and that's the entire point of that, that movie rise of the skywalker where i might be this um uh like uh, yeah but she still keeps her powers and she and she takes her name skywalker she takes the name skywalker and she keeps her power is the thing like the thing with the thing with guardians of the galaxy is he says no i don't want the power i don't want the name yeah and then you have like blade runner 2049 which is like the main character is like i might be harrison ford's son I might inherit all this kind of like importance or prominence within the narrative. And then the narrative goes, no, you're not. You have to figure out your own story. That's what you have to do. And here you have it with Ray taking that Star Wars twist. Oh, sorry. I, I suppose what is obviously different about this film in comparison to those is that the essential character is a woman. And Ray has all these other characters asserting her place in the narrative, particularly Kylo. Uh, but like even characters that she responds to, you have like that moment with her and, and Finn in the first movie where he assumes that she's the damsel and is kind of leading her along by the hand and all this. Um, and you have her struggling within that to find her place. Like at certain points, she does want to be kind of led along by the narrative. You know, she grabbed kids towards Harrison Ford. She's gravitating towards Luke and finds... I want somebody to show me my place in all this is a literal line from the movie. And, but like finds that frustration in Luke where it's like, this is not going where I wanted to go, which is, I think, that inner tension of finding where you want to go. Like, Alex H., I don't know how you kind of feel about Ray in general as a character, but having that kind of, like, tension and stuff, I don't know how it works for you in this movie, like. I think it, I think it's actually quite relatable because sort of, I mean, she's 
from nowhere. She's a young woman. She's canonically what's supposed to be sort of late teens, early 20s. And I think in that time in life, you're kind of looking for someone to give you direction because all she's done her entire life is, you know, collect scrap, get food, move on to the next day, keep going. Whereas now she's embroiled in this like bigger plot when sort of Finn and BB-8 show up. And I think she wants direction because she's not sure what she's supposed to do. She knows she wants to help, but she's not sure how to get there. And like you said, in the in um, the first one, The Force Awakens, she's like looking for Han Solo and she's like, she's never had a parent figure. So she's like learning the skills from him. And then like you say at the end, they come to rescue her. She's like doing her own thing and getting out anyway. And then she's like, oh, I should look for Luke because he sorted things the first time. He can show me how to sort things out and sort of help the rebellion the second time. And I think it's important in The Last Jedi for her that she realizes, oh, actually, I need to figure this out. I need to connect to the Force and I need to, like, you know, leave Luke because he's not doing anything for me here. Go and find my own way. Go and save my friends and help the rebellion, which he does in the end because they all escape off the planet with the glass foxes, whatever they're supposed to be. The, mineral- the crystal critters. The crystal critters. Uh, as Poe says, and actually she's the one that saves them all on the planet at the end, and that, that sets her, up her arc for sort of, unfortunately then it all goes a bit tits up in the last film, but sets her up nicely for what could have been, as in her then sort of taking over leadership and sort of working with Leia and becoming a leader that way, and realising oh I can, and I think it's really good like when she's on the island, because she uses her staff anyway, when she incorporates her staff and then with the lightsaber to show this is how I'm going to evolve and be nobody but inspire everybody else even if i can't get through to kylo who she realizes i don't need this person this person's lost to me i'm gonna go my way and yeah do what's right so and darren like i know you you kind of talked about the psychosexual aspects of this movie a lot (laughs) before i think it's so revealing that you know ray like luke doesn't want to train her he doesn't want to show her the ways of the jedi but she needs to kind of figure out what the force is and it's like okay this is your relationship to the forest. This is your relationship to the world around you. This is your relationship to all this. And she finds herself drawn to something. And Luke's immediately like, no, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way to do it. And, when, like, and again, it's notable, again, at the risk of talking about the overt psychosexual aspect of this, um, like the tree trunk cave looks very, again, return to the cave imagery from the Empire Strikes Back, these feminine spaces. She is drawn to a cave that is literally a hairy hole in the ground. Yeah. And Luke is like, stay the hell away from there, woman. What are you talking about? That's not where the force is meant to be. Um, but like, and even her relationship with Kylo Ren where Kylo repeatedly negs her. Like, the, I would argue that, like, and again, this is Darren's hot take, The Last Jedi is the best movie ever made about online dating. So think of <laughs> it, right? Ray is in the... Ray is in, Ooh, Ray is in the... Agree, Ray no, is in the middle indeed. of nowhere. Ray, Ray is in the middle of nowhere. She's just, like, kicking around. There's nothing happening. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night... Practicing she just, dance moves. Practicing dance moves. She just gets a message out of nowhere. And it's from this guy. It, it's, and he, he's bad news. Like, he, he's just bad news. He's a Nazi. He's got, like, political views that are completely insane. He's got issues with his dad. And she's like, you're a Nazi. I don't want to talk to you. But then they start messaging, right? And they start messaging. And it's telling, like, there's a there's a shirtless pic almost immediately. Like, an inappropriate shirtless pic then, right? And then pic, there's yeah. a moment where they're having a conversation... And like he he looks down at his hand and it's covered in like little drops of dew. And it's like, oh, I wonder what's going on here as well. And over time, she gradually comes to like, like come around to him. She's like, well, maybe he just needs some. Maybe he needs somebody to fix him. Maybe I can change. I can change him. 
this is a project I can change him. Yeah, that's it exactly. And like you know, I can I, and like and he he is following like the Jordan Peterson MRA playbook to a T. He's like, oh, what are we doing? You're not doing this. You're not powerful. The force would kill you. Or I know who you are. You're nobody. Your parents are junk traders. You don't have a part in this story. And he literally says at one point, you're nobody, but not to me, which is like very much like an abuser, hot boy kind of like line where it's like, you have no self-esteem. I'm going to hone in on that. I'm going to chip away at that. And I'm going to make it seem like I am the only person who understands you. And Ray's big arc here. And again, to pull back on the like, again, online dating cat person metaphor it's very interesting that this is a movie released in 2017 that says maybe we shouldn't be prioritizing the idea that neo-Nazis have feelings. <laughs> Darren, Darren, um, I, I, I understand what you need. Just to pull you up on your, your, your internet terminology there, cat, there's a very big difference in online dating between catfishing and a cat person. Two very different, two very different communities. One with fur and one without. We don't need to dive into. Oh no, no! I was referring to, I was referring to the, the story. I was referring to the, the famous, New Yorker story, the viral New Yorker short story, Cat Person, <laughs> okay. which is about it has it's about that really toxic relationship. Oh, so you're you talking about the third type of internet cat, cat person. <laughs> I apologize. It's like it's like translating a different language. Yeah, it really um, is. I am hip and with. I I love like, their scenes together so much. I I think their dynamic in this movie is so fascinating, and I think that aspect of it makes it so watchable uh to, to to date this 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 recording terribly uh with the the current hot meme the, the megan fox machine gun kelly meme they're, they're scenes together are, you smell like the dark side <laughs> i am <laughs> <laughs> but the like the, i think i think it's one of those things that uh forever for however messy all of these three movies are the performances are really what carry it through yeah. and i love adam driver's performances Mm. in those scenes and it is that kind of negging uh vibe and it is that kind of dismissive you know uh, and it's it's him it's very physical and very performative because he's using that big heathcliff kind of aura that he has even when he's not sharing the frame to to kind of say this is something that you should should give into and his line reading like you know this is space opera and it's always so big star wars and dramatic about everything but his line reading at that big twist big reveal like you you know your parents are nothing you're nothing it's so casual and so like he is being manipulative but he doesn't realize how awful he's being (laughs) it's really it's kind of like, I find Adam Driver attractive, and yes, the shirtless scene was there, and yes, like, I get why. That was fan service in of itself. Thank you, Rain Johnson. Um, but the way he says that, like, I've encountered a lot of men in my life, like, when I've been on dates and when I've been out, that just will say things like that so casually and not realize the impact. And I think him and Daisy Ridley's performance together with that dynamic is just... I just think it's really good, and I think they don't get enough credit for that. I think they're very good on screen together. I remember writing in my original review, like he says that, like he would say that to, um, to, 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 uh, like he's to, telling to you the time. Girls. Like, yeah, it sounds uh, like he's just like telling you the time. Oh, you're nothing. Yeah. Like it's so. Ugh. You're not conventionally attractive, but I, I, I like you. That sort of. Thing. You have a great person. You have a great personality. I think that so, like, plays into the, the, like the, the thing that I really like about this film is like the class because his whole thing is his prestige and he's Darth Vader's grandson and he's talking to someone who's from nowhere, but he's kind of 
interested in and, and so that line reading that's got so much of that and then even tying it into that the ending the final shot um of the little kids uh and the way he holds the i actually really liked that and it's again so different to the way every other star wars film ends with a sunset or holding up you know a medal or an orb or whatever but it's always characters you know you're you're following the main characters and this is the first film to almost imply you know, you don't have to be a main character to to make a difference. And that's still, I think, such a powerful idea and image that it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, and it, that's what I mean about class. Like, the idea that she's not from anywhere and she's going to save the world is fantastic. The idea that he is from, you know, this family and he's toxic and destroying the world is also very prescient in, in today's world where if you want to buy a house, you better come from a family that can give you 200k deposits and stuff. You know, that's an extremely late stage capitalism idea. And again, to go back, that's why I think this film stands above certainly the other two because of its handling of that particular issue. For all the reasons Darren was talking about, it's like a reverse of that twist. Like there is no twist and that's the twist. Brilliant. Really good. But then the whole thing is made poisonous by the thing we will it's, mention it's, it's 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 so revealing as well though because like in universe and this is why it works i think as a character beat like it 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 it's something that he knows it, it's very revealing in that it's the most devastating thing Kylo Ryan can think of to say to someone is that you're not an important star wars character you know you're not canon <laughs> and he but he also knows it's the most devastating thing for uh for her to hear in that moment as i say he says it to her like he's talking to Lena Dunham yeah. <laughs> it's like the thing that you're most insecure about yourself is true but I don't care you know like yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. uh, only I understand yeah and it, it, it kind of underlines the idea that in order to uh, to find your way forward in this overwhelming overarching narrative you do have to separate yourself from it <laughs> because what he's saying is like come into the canon with me join me in being an important yeah, star wars we can character. impose a rule yeah we like we can we can re-establish order and it's 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 also so revealing because like kylo ren can't get out of his own way as a character and his insistence that you know and it's it's become this like kind of famous uh and kind of medic line of like killing the past um you know letting the past die kylo ren's vision for doing that is you know as as a as a sith is killing his Sith master, and like and, every other Sith ever, and asking a Jedi to join him <laughs> in like ruling the Sith galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It shows the limits of his vision, uh, which again is like I, I, I think all my favorite moments in this movie, uh, for as like visually stunning as as it is, and as kind of exciting as it is, it's these little character moments that reveal so much about who these people are. And the worst moments of these three movies are when they lose track of that, which does happen in this movie. Does he want to rule the galaxy? He's kind of saying, forget about the first well, order. Well, there's, I think to, that's what's so frustrating about where this all goes, because to me, like, there's a clear path being set up with these movies, and like, there's a clear template that Kylo Ren as a character can follow in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and it's like bad boy dark character Zuko. Who in the middle chapter of 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 that 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 series, without getting into too much detail if you haven't seen it, he gets what he thinks that he wants, <laughs> and then kind of in the early part of the third series realizes that it's not what he wants at all and doesn't it, it actually doesn't work for him, uh, which 
you would think is the natural uh, path for Kylo Ren's character to go. But obviously, I'm not a professional <laughs> storyteller, and going on You're a not JJ going on a quest to get a, a box that, that has would lead you give you directions to another box. To the, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I actually yeah. again what, don't remember. Look, we what? didn't we didn't we didn't have enough like orbs to hold. We needed a box. The box sat uh, there. Okay. <laughs> to to bring it back to what Andrew said there. Andrew's question about like what his plan is, right? Because I feel like that conversation needed to go on a little longer, even though at that no. mo- at that point the movie has gone on far too long and the ship is falling apart. She's just kind of like, I gotta go, and this okay. seems like not good. But okay. maybe we should talk more. What I- <laughs> What I would say to that is that, like, it's very explicit that what it's doing there is Return of the Jedi. It is doing the climax. Like, that is the thing. It's it's speed run. Like, so Force Awakens, as we point out, the knock against the Force Awakens is that it is just a new hope. It's like an unnew hope. It's an old hope, basically, um, like Bob. But it's basically so this is speed running. Like, it's like, OK, let's get the Empire Strikes Back. Let's get Return of the Jedi out of our system so we can all have a third movie that is new and exciting and fresh and does something that you have never seen a Star Wars movie do before. And thank goodness that we got that. But like basically that moment with Kylo Ren and with her is the sequence from Return of the Jedi where like the Emperor has been defeated. Snoke is dead. Uh, Snoke being the Emperor surrogate. Luke and, you know, Vader are reconciled and Vader conveniently dies before he has to do any of the hard work of like being a decent human being and redeeming himself and earning forgiveness and facing atonement, right? And it, The Return of the Jedi is a very 80s movie because it's like, I feel look, like Return Luke, of the Jedi feels that he has atoned for yes. helping to kill the Emperor. Yes, even right. though his plan in The Empire Strikes Back was to kill the Emperor anyway. Yeah. Um, like, which is a problem with Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is very 80s style. Look, if you do enough cocaine, you can work through your daddy issues. It doesn't matter what your dad actually did. All that matters is that you feel like your dad was a good person at the end of the day when he has a massive cocaine fueled heart attack after killing his boss. But to bring it back to this movie and specifically the context of this movie. After Kylo Ren kills Snoke, right? The first thing that Rey asks him to do and it is not an unreasonable demand, and it is exactly what Vader should have done in Return of the Jedi, is stop murdering civilians. You are in charge of a massive military apparatus. I am making a simple request that you stop bombing civilians right now, and then we can have a conversation. And in Return of the Jedi, Vader's like, I'd rather just die on the hangar deck than order the Empire to stand down. Uh, And here, Kylo Ren's like, no, I... like he's saying, they're not civilians. Okay, but they're unarmed. The transports do not have weapons. They are going to a place that is a bunker that does not have arms. Like, there's no harm in just stopping massacring them as they flee and retreat. Like, following standard Geneva Convention rules, right? But Kylo Ren has just revealed, like, they're not Star Wars characters. That's it exactly. And Kylo Ren is of a a universe where there is no expanded universe. So every single person on that planet doesn't have their own Yes, out of continuity. But my, my so point like, is, why should I care? The movie feels if, more like Rogue One. Okay, if I okay, yeah. Sorry, can I can I get to the point though? Sorry, yeah, can I get no, to the absolutely. point of the question? Apologies. Um, Darren is cranky after the uh, water incident, but like, <laughs> I killed Darren's house. <laughs> you actually did kill did. all the electronics in my house. Just died. Yeah, and Darren's house is mostly electronics. Let so the house like, start. It was an honest switch. <laughs> yeah, kill it if you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, more electronics now than that. <laughs> yeah, but like like Darth Vader. But the thing I find interesting about this is that again, 2017, right? You have just had Donald Trump win the election. 
you've had a whole bunch of New York Times profiles that are like poor white supremacists, where it's like, we need to understand these people. We need to reach out to them. We need to extend a hand of friendship. We need to find common ground with these people who like think that people of different ethnicities are not actually people. Like the famous New York Times cover story that's like, no place in Oregon will host this neo-Nazi's wedding. What is wrong with America right now? Which was actually a feature that was run in the New York Times. And I really like that. And again, this speaks back to Andrew's point about like DJ, where DJ is like, ah, everybody's bad guys. Everybody buys weapons and shoots people. Ah, there's no real up or down or right or wrong. I really like that like The Last Jedi makes a point. No, Kylo Ren is a monster and is completely irredeemable. He is a terrible human being and he deserves to die. There's a moment where Luke confronts him and he's like, what, have you come to say you're sorry? Have you come to save my soul? And Luke's like, no, no, I haven't come to do that. The moment where like Leia's like, look, I held out hope for him my entire life, but I realize he's gone now. And Luke is like, no one's ever really gone right before Luke vanishes into memory. The idea that like, and even like the closing shot of Kylo Ren in this movie, which is beautiful, which is Kylo Ren having like killed Luke, done the thing as Luke said he wants to do, uh, picking up the dice, which are the last thing he holds belonging to his father, having them disappear in his hand, looking up at Daisy Ridley, looking up at Rey, this woman who he thought might be able to redeem him or give him worth, and her literally shutting the door on him. And I think that is beautiful, brilliant, timely daring and exactly what a star wars movie needed to do in 2017 that's my argument the trilogy itself though is very and the reaction of fans to um kylo ren has been very kind of sympathetic like people do want to fix it adam driver is very attractive yeah exactly (laughs) yeah i think adam driver adam driver makes kylo ren just like just likable enough in his performance yeah. and makes what he's saying just subtle enough, but still with like the most malice that people are like, Oh yeah, but you know, he could be redeemed even though he's like the worst, the absolute worst. <laughs> like he murdered Harrison Ford and we're just willing to forget about that. No, stop. Think about your life. I think if you're, if you're, if you're going to use that Nazi allegory, term, like when the original Star Wars movie came out, kids were afraid of Darth Vader, right? Cause like, He's a big space Nazi, you know? And Kylo Ren, he is a much more pathetic figure uh, by, yeah. by design. Yeah. And like, even in his darkest, most powerful moment in this film, he, he cuts a pathetic figure. Where, and it's, it's, again, it's one of these little things that I love about this movie so much, where he sees the Millennium Falcon and has a big temper tantrum. <laughs> and Adam Driver's line reading of, oh, that piece of joke. I annoy, Out of the sky. <laughs> I annoy so many people by doing that all the time. I love it so much. It's such an impotent. I like this is. I've said to you before, Darren. What I love about Darth Vader is, is his cattiness. Same with the Emperor, Adam Driver as this like whiny loser boy <laughs> who can't handle seeing his dad's car. Brings <laughs> 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 up so much resentment. Uh, and yeah, that the, the dice and how and and how that just undercuts his own shortcomings in that moment. I'm even willing to forgive the fact that the dice. Like, what are you talking about? There were no dice in the original Star Wars movie. I think. Uh, and then they, <laughs> there were like there. There's a, like, there? a little backstory. Yeah, continuity. Sorry, sorry, Alex. Sorry. No, there's a fame like they just appear and 
They're in the film, the original <laughs> film, I know, but they're not, you're making yeah. a toy, literally. It's sort of like, remember these? And everyone's like, no. And then... <laughs> Too bad. Now available at Pandora. Um, oh, uh, and they have had a Pandora Star Wars collection as well, so don't even bring that up. Oh no. <laughs> All right. We we are running quite long do. on this episode, so I, like we should probably get off like Ray and Kylo, unless there's anything else anybody wants to say, and maybe jump on to I, one of the yeah, other two. I, I, okay. I do find it interesting that like the the Emperor and like at this point we don't know about the Emperor, but say like Snoke's plan is to get, like, all of the whiny loser boys together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, use them to with take hawks, over. Yeah. Yeah, with well, hawks. again, like, that's white supremacy so, at the moment. The, like, yeah, you stoke resentment and racial resentment. You tap into young so, men who feel insecure and don't feel like they have a place. Exactly, and you just use them. They're Sorry, so pathetic. Right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Snoke, Snoke wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life, right? He... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, uh, if, you, if you clean your room, Kylo Ren, that's the first step. Yeah, the... I feel like they would complain if you asked them to clean their room. <laughs> Darren, if you if you want to get off, Kylo and I, then I just want to talk about the throne room, lightsaber fight scene. Cause yes. Yes. Two rules. And that's one of those moments where I look yes. at other Star Wars fans. I'm like, what What do you want? Like, what? It's the best lightsaber <laughs> exactly. fight in these movies. And apparently, or allegedly, oh, that's what all these fans only want. They just want bright lasers swinging around in a choreographed way. It's like, it's there. Like, what? It's oh, cool. You've got, and you have what all you varieties. Want? You have all varieties of lightsaber. You have all varieties of different laser weapons. There's like a yeah. mace. There's a ball and chain. There's like nunchucks. And yeah, what more do you want? It's a good time. It's a good if time. You had something as good as the Jewel of the Fates playing, like for that, it it it, it would be like kind of like unquestionable. I think the music is what Infant Menace, and that you've just sat through such a bad. <laughs> that makes that lightsaber battle pop. But I mean, like that. Okay, this is the thing where Darren's going to be really, um, like, yeah, snobby fanboyish sort of, <laughs> like snobby cinephile sort of nonsense. But like, one of the things I love about the Last Jedi is that like, Johnson is a filmmaker who like has seen films and like loves films and loves cinema and has watched lots of movies and discovered, like George Lucas making the original Star Wars, has said that looks good. I will throw it in the movie. This is arguably the most literate Star Wars film since the original in that, like, it's got all these influences from, like, Casablanca with the little kind of, like, secret ring. It's got the Rashomon style kind of, you know, flashback stuff. It's got the Kejimoshu stuff in the throne room. It's got Ran when they're kind of riding out with the kind of banners. It's got all this sort of stuff going on there, which is kind of really great. And it's very much like, like, it steals a shot from, and again, I promised I would make this reference, so I'm kind of obliged to. When we talked about Sunrise's story of two humans i mentioned we will be mentioning the first best picture winner wings on the podcast in a couple of weeks it steals that, that shot, sweeping yeah. pan in across the cinema across the casino from wings the first movie to win the best picture oscar it is a simply gorgeous movie and like there is a special feature that is available i think on disney plus at the moment it's available on the um blu-ray and streaming versions of the movie which is to watch it with only the score um and Johnson is a fantastic filmmaker. Uh, Williams is obviously a fantastic like composer. And you can follow the movie relatively well just based on the music cues and the framing and stuff like that. It is a stunningly well-made film. I think it is the uh, best-made Star Wars film since at least The Empire Strikes Back. Def- not definitely. And for all that like fans harp on or, or, or think that the main thing that they want is characters saying things to each other and revealing information and revealing lore, like the the best thing that this movie does is in conversation with music and 
and visual where the all the sounds cuts out in that moment where Laura oh, Dern yes the samurai slap carves uh, in through space, the as Alex Hayes spaceship. kind of singled out yeah. in total silence yeah. it's visually stunning it's incredible it calls attention to that stunning visual by going silent when Star Wars movies are never like that uh, so there is no yeah. there is no John Williams to hold that moment up it's just what you're looking at it draws attention to that from having so much sound around it on either side and it's like what yeah. And like people will complain that like it never happened in a previous Star Wars film, so it's not in continuity or canon. It's yeah, one of the big. You've got plenty of kind of uh, those weird kind of like um, Star Wars kind of wipes yeah. in this movie where you can say okay, yeah, and and they that they do a scroll and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Like the the scroll is a big part of what makes I think it like like whatever about the the actual kind of like um, the. Obviously, the the movie that we won't talk about has a terrible scroll, but but the very fact that it just it just has the point where that John Williams score comes in kicks in, yeah. yeah, yeah, gives you a lot of what you want in 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 a Star Wars movie straight away, you know. Um, All right, and okay, so let let's move on then very quickly to like the Poe and Holdo stuff then, because that's a nice segue to the slash in space stuff. Because again, very two thousand seven bad manager. She's a good commanding officer. Like, so they are being she's followed. She's a very by... bad manager, though. She's what? No, he has no right to know. He's like, it's a chain of command situation. Like, he is basically, he has just proven that he cannot be trusted by like getting the entire bombing fleet killed. Right. There is also potentially a spy on board because they're being followed by what the. What has he been asked first... to do? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That's it. Like, listen. Basically, listen to women is what he's been asked to do. Um, it's just like acknowledge that there is somebody who has more expertise in the field and that she doesn't look like you expect somebody to have that experience because he I'm actually has the conversation him. make him feel important make him feel <laughs> like he, and and i know that the point of this is that like no alex h is wincing to... um like no oh it's like it's like oh just ignore just she has to make him feel more important in order to get in order to get the employee in order yeah. to get the soldier that's no, more yeah, like... than her to do what he's told just yeah. <laughs> I understand the point of it. I do, but how the, entitled the, is he? Give him busy work. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know the fact of the matter is, as uh, Poe can rise to to the challenge all he wants, and he could become this great hero. No, that's not going to erase what he did. The start of this that's... movie is Poe Dameron's Gallipoli. Do you know what I mean? Like, it... yeah, without it, it's it's him <laughs> basically telling people to go on a suicide mission while he's like in an X-wing. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, and he's quipping and taking out quipping. the lasers, fair play. Cool. Yeah, we get it. He's a great pilot. But I think this film, he's kind of, because we said he's like the Han Solo character, right? He's like the flyboy and he's like consequences, whatever. But then when there yeah, actually yeah. are consequences for that type of character in this film, he's like, excuse me, I just did a great thing. And she's like, you killed like 80% of our troops. Like, what are you doing? I'm not letting you command this anymore. And all of a yeah. sudden he's like, oh, Which... but why? And it's like, no, you gotta, you got to understand. <laughs> and, and then, like, if... If you have, if you, but my, my problem with it is, I guess, the, like, the, I, I'm fine with them doing that, but kind of like, if she, if, if, if there being kind of like a clear strategy and attempts to kind of like build alignment, and sorry for getting what sort of like. <laughs> Synergy. But that, and then, and then, if, and then if you, yeah. and then, no, but it, like, like, it, and then Poe is kind of like, oh, I'm not doing that. I want to go out and fight. And that, that. Uh, he messes up 
kind of uh, everything because he doesn't listen um, to, to, to... One thing to, I would to, say to, is, to like, when I was watching this originally, I was surprised by the amount of char- new characters they introduced because so many of the times, like I <laughs> right. said before, Benicia del Toro, like, why wasn't that Lando? Like, um, and similarly, I remember watching this and thinking, I can't remember exactly when Carrie Fisher died, but there were numerous points where I kept sort of gasping, like, is, is, is this when Carrie, you know, Princess Leia is going to die? Because you kind of knew something was going to happen. Carrie Fisher, um, yeah, Carrie Fisher died before the movie. Exactly. Was. But I remember thinking, like, afterwards, why why did they not just, and Laura Dern's my favorite actress, but why not just have Leia in the, the Haldo role and, and have that, like, right. clash between the two of them and then maybe I, even have her, you know, jettison into, I, into space like that. I think that the because... reason why you couldn't do that is because it's the same reason that we, like, when we talked about Alien, right, when you have this culture online of men reacting to women in positions of authority in film, there are women who get grandfathered in yes. because they were women that men saw when they were at a certain age. So like, oh, we, we, we're not sexist for disliking Ghostbusters because uh, we think Sarah Connor and Ellen Ripley are like strong female exactly. heroes. And it's like, if you go back to 1979 and you read the reviews, they're like, man, this feminist stuff in Alien is rather heavy handed. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's always been there. And like the thing is, like, just because you were young when it happened and didn't notice it doesn't mean it wasn't. And I think that if you put Carrie Fisher in that role, you would not trick it's the audience. She's grandfathered. Yeah, she'd be grandfathered in. I, I, and I think she yeah, would she like almost for Poe, because Poe would almost inherently listen to Princess Leia because she's Princess Leia, you know, as we all would, but it I, doesn't have that crucial clash. Um and it does need to be someone, as you say, who you're like, Whoa, who's this? you know, and and, and it is kind of And I I think it's also it like it's it's part of the movie's point about kind of characters that aren't legends uh, uh being important to the overall yeah. star wars of it all. Canon, yeah. because poe is like I, I just i just i just learned who this person is uh why should i care um and you know she turns out to be very important and like it 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 makes that same point with her as a sister earlier in the film this idea that and it's a really well done uh scene uh where you know you're kind of saying over and over like you don't just have to be a skywalker to be important to what's going on here um i think that people need to kind of finish up and wrap up i know andy needs to go alex needs to go so before like anything you guys want to say so andy do you have anything you want to add in terms of like the last jedi because you didn't like you you asked to come on and i feel like we've kind of talked around you and talked over you you haven't really had no, 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 that's cool. Everyone's <laughs> saying the things that I wanted to say, so I, I'm like, I just want to pile on with with agreeing comments. But um, no, it it's about <laughs> DJ Broomboy, and I think um, the, the more DJ Broomboys we have in this world, the, the better. And and I think and Alex, I, I was just going to say, and I think we all need to remember at the end of the day, it's people fighting with lasers and cool spaceships in space. And that's what it's all about. We love a lightsaber fight with laser swords. It's a good time. Andy, what did you find watching it this time that kind of took away from it for you having, like not where you didn't enjoy it as much as say the last time you watched it? What were the kind of stuff that were pulling from it? Well, I think think what's troubling me is that I'm, because the, the politics of the First Order versus what was the new republic and now 
the resistance. I That never made sense to me. So I can't find a real world analogy for it. And I can't understand what's actually happening. It's like, so the first order, I, ah, the resistance was like, were, were they a paramilitary, a paramilitary group, not necessarily the army of the new Republic, but they were just there. It's like the new Republic decided to create some rebels to fight against their main enemy. And I've, I've never understood what, uh, what that, I, I, is happening. It's a problem across the whole sequel trilogy. Yeah, sequel they, trilogy. they never coherently, uh, address yeah, what the overarching stakes are like who <laughs> why why is the first order so dangerous and massive suddenly and well it's because they're the emperor mark ii the empire yeah, yeah, mark but... ii it's because we're redoing the original trilogy no, no, i yeah, get it but like problem. you know i know but it's like where yeah, did me, they get the budget me, where did me the and budget Alex had a long from? long conversation about where the budget for the for the first order came from and i just don't get it and i i think because I remember in the first one, they blow up planets. <laughs> Five of them, right? Right. Yeah, and yeah, like those they, planets were yeah, the first order was painted as a massive way for that. And I don't know why it wasn't all out war rather than just a plucky band of rebels led by Poe Dameron versus the first order. Um, yeah. And I, anyway, so that has made it really hard for me to thinking more and more about that it became harder and harder to pass what what the film was actually saying my theory was they were like getting the money through there's like a, the whole thing and the only reason finn and rose get exposed in the casino is because like they park their spaceship in the wrong area and i was like maybe that's like the first order's game it's the municipality of star wars is the first order has raised this money parking fines Someone taxes, needs to collect the things you don't think about they've built it up over time and also the rebels didn't really go, do a good time of cleaning up the rest of the empire like they cut the head off the snake and they were like yay we've won and really it's like no there's like obviously in the mandalorian that's recently come out it's like no there's still like all these people around that still have all the technology and are trying to rebuild like they may look a bit their suits may look a bit scuzzy and messed up, but they're still they're still there. Yeah. They're still around. You did you didn't clean up enough after the civil war, basically, is the situation. Yeah, like, basically. Re like, yeah. <laughs> Reconstruction needed to be more no thorough. No one should be in charge anyway, though. But that's that's my favorite part of this film. Um, D <laughs> DJ Broomboy and the fact that they they address the fact that in in all science fiction films, but particularly Star Wars, they'll just they'll just land anywhere, <laughs> and this is the first time there's been come up into that. And I think it's these small, these tiny little plot <laughs> points that just made me really smile and think this is this is delightful. And then the 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 rest, the fact that it's so foggy in terms of like politics, and I don't know that. Oh my god, what are they? Are they actually neo Nazis? But then, I mean, they said. I don't know what you guys make of like Finn's story arc in general as well, because I I think I think as I say, I think John Boyega does have some justifiable gripes in that area. I felt they sort of just were like, oh, he's also there. Like it's kind of like, oh, Finn I... Finn was bad, and now he's good because he stayed and wants to help, and then Rose saved him. But I felt like like 
there wasn't much yeah he wasn't like paid enough attention to it. it's kind of like my overall gripe is kind of like i feel like a lot of these characters are like half done and like they needed proper discussions his, and interactions his, his subplot doesn't really get moving at all until 40 minutes into the movie which is a big problem what i would say with the the finn stuff that i think is worth doing worth mentioning in the context of like this being a movie about online dating yeah is that in the force awakens he falls in love with a girl and he follows her and he basically joins this movement in order to impress this girl. And even here, he's like, where's Ray? When's Ray coming back? I need to go and get Ray. I need to chase Ray. And this movie's like, no, man, you need to have some self-actualization before you can get a girlfriend. You need to actually be your own person and like have your own views. He's and- like, to, 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 be, uh, to be fair to Finn, I'm pretty sure I joined the socialist workers <laughs> for the very same reason when I was but about did you, 18. But did you become involved? Did you, like like Finn, did you have that arc of realizing that what they're doing is I good? Did. That it has value? <laughs> like, did you have the same arc? I, well, yeah, but I think I, I'm not a member of the socialist worker party anymore, but I would describe myself as a socialist. So probably yes, but in a much more, you know, in a mature and self-actualized way as you say darren and with less lasers thankfully finn's problem didn't get any worse (laughs) and and alex t sorry before we wrap up anything you want to add anything you haven't kind of yeah the only thing i would add is i I do remember getting slightly worried watching the film originally because it kind of opens on a your mama joke with the sort of phone call back and forth and I, i found that sort of so like Whoa, and then to follow that immediately with, you know, a sort of suicide run in slow motion of all these people being blown apart in space just felt very strange. And I still think doesn't quite, and is a good, like, microcosm of not everything in the film works and not everything that, that Rian Johnson thinks is great works. Um, on the commentary, he actually talks about he had to fight for this moment um, with the sort of phone call back and forth and the, like, you know, I'm pretending to put you on hold and all these sort of very you know, almost sort of 90, late 90s, early millennial humor. Um, and he said he wanted to break the ice and try something different. And, and there's a similar moment later on when Luke Skywalker does the, like, d- dirt off his the shoulder Kanye moment. kind of, yeah. yeah am, which, I, am, right. I, am I the only one that found when Ray's meditating and he, she's like, I can feel the force that, and he's, like, using the leaf? Really I, I thought that was quite funny, actually. I, like that. I really yeah. love that. I think but it's reach great. out. That's, you, that's, mean, you mean with my, yeah, yeah, I, got it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the green milk. Yeah. yeah. Well, like the green milk stuff is so aggressive at a certain kind of Star Wars fan. The way the camera holds on Luke drinking it, the way in which it barrels the camera while drinking it, the way in which Ray looks away, it seems deliberately provocative in a way that I, I like. It. And I think some of that is great because some of that is like the the signs that he really is bucking against the trend and really is trying to make something different. And I think the reason this film is successful is because in how it differs from Star Wars, the rest of it, rather than how it conforms. Um, so I'm all for that. I just think some of that humor is not doesn't you know it, it kind of ages it, it and work. it's 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 not great. And I think naturally, like everything else, we see the you know festering byproduct of it in the next one, where every single Poe and Finn line seems to be like, oh they fly now, oh they fly now, oh they fly, and it, it's like Rian Johnson does share some of that blame. He you know there wasn't <laughs> yeah. as much of that in the the Force Awakens as there was in this film. So yeah. I- I, I do like Ryan Justin a lot. I, 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 he is very corny. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think there's no getting around that. And to to the point about like stuff that I think is his fault that does kind of carry forward. I I understand what each of these four character acts are trying to do, and I think some of them accomplish them better than others. 
And I am not someone who usually complains about movies being long. And it's hard to complain about the pacing in this movie because it's paced like a Star Wars movie. However, uh, it does have pacing issues in balancing those four things, unquestionably. And what I find so strange about it is that you have this... Like, uh, there's this famous kind of thing with George Lucas kind of realizing that he's trying to edit between too many different action scenes at once uh, in Return of the Jedi and then carrying that forward into Phantom Menace, you know, because it's like four climaxes all happening at once. The Last Jedi actually does this really good thing where it is building these arcs and they they all dovetail together in that moment where Laura Dern puts through the, the, the Star Destroyer. And then it's like, now this is where all the characters are at in response to that. It's so it's building it's to this crescendo and then binding together. And then the movie continues for another 45 minutes. Yeah, that's like, that's I, two I, endings. There's two endings to this film and it is a bit weird. In and my I, mind, I do it's wonder, I do wonder how the movie in general would be received by the fan base if it ended closer to that Empire Strikes Back moment. Because it kind of, the longer it gets, the further it gets away from that, the more incoherent what the movie is trying to do with the characters becomes. And that's a problem. The counterpoint I would make to that is that like that's the point that Johnson's trying to make. He's trying to Yes, but like, that and again, is messy. And, like, and he's he's trying to get to a point where the next movie cannot just do Return of the Jedi again and call it a day. And then the next movie tries to do Return like the next movie uh, is such a deliberate screw you where it's like, look, I realize you tried to burn through and stop me doing this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, all right, Andy needs to go. Uh, the two Alexes need to go. So where can we find you guys? Where are you online? So Andy, where are you at? What, yeah, what are you doing? I, I'm, I'm offline at the moment, Darren. You cannot find me anywhere. Like a ninja. Alex H., you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to draw attention to? I am a scientist. You can find me in the lab. I may be back in future episodes, but we will see. But I'm trying to keep... I work for Abbott Diabetes Care, so I might as well plug them, trying to keep diabetics healthy with our glucose sensors and... Uh, strips so that's my job at the moment all right alex t where you at what you doing i'm trying to pull together a few more episodes of my podcast when irish eyes are watching um which is now being rendered immediately harder by the introduction of my life into my life of a three-month-year-old baby so um there might be like screaming uh, in the background of some of those but more episodes soon and if you just google when irish eyes are watching our website should still be up with all our previous episodes and stuff we're heading towards 50 episodes which Sounds a little pathetic when compared to the 250. What are you guys on? Like, what what number is this one going to be? This will be like 265, are, I think, 266. Are Woo! you going to dress him up as Leprechaun in the hood? No, no, <laughs> we've got another that, asset, but yeah, that, that might we, be it. We may be recording this before Alex, Halloween. You, you and your podcast are what they grow beyond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Luke, where can we find you at yet? What are you doing? You can find me on filmanddublin.ie. I am Mr. Cynical, that's Cynical with an I on Twitter. Uh, and you can also see me and others writing uh, on our online zine, Pretty Deadly Films. At the time that this goes out, we should have at least one other issue available. Dead. Uh, and very quickly before we wrap up, Darren, because we've had the arc of me having the same uh, uh, name as the character in these Star Wars movies. <laughs> and I just want to say about Luke, who I've always said is a whiny baby boy, uh, what I find so resonant and so beautiful about what happens to him in this movie, which again, I thought fans would love, is that he has to accept his shortcomings and his failures, right? Which we usually think just means going and holding your hands up. 
Alex, um, Alex, Andy, and Alex, if you need to leave, uh, you can leave. We can. No worries, I'm, I'm packing up. I, I, I want to hear about Luke's. Yeah, yeah, yeah I want to hear about. I want to hear about Luke. Well, Luke is struggling in this movie with his failure with Kylo Ren, particularly, and and, and how that is in conversation with his own dark impulses, which are so easily manipulated by the Sith. You know, in the Return of the Jedi, his 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 impulses is are manipulated by the Emperor, and like he fails essentially. And in this movie, what Luke realizes that he needs to do after he has that little pep talk with Yoda is look to Kylo, who he sees so much of himself in, those dark impulses, and manipulate him to be also the whiny baby boy. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that's what he does. He sees the little kid in Kylo, and he's like, I'm going to make him act like Luke Skywalker. I'm going to make him be impulsive (laughs) and reactionary. And then he's going to fail, because that's what I do. And I think there's something very important in realizing that before it's all. Oh, I love that. It's like a whiny boy. Especially for me. It's like a whiny boy cycle. That's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like and poetry. It's a poem and that rhymes. rhymes. Yeah. And just uh, on, on the Luke stuff, I would argue this is Hamill's best performance probably ever. It's certainly mm. his best performance in a Star Wars movie. Um, I think that the movie does really interesting stuff with him. I think that this is arguably the most heroic thing that Luke Skywalker ever does is sacrificing his own life in order to like allow others to escape rather than risking the entire galaxy for his daddy issues. I think that shows real growth, I think. Um, and yeah, I uh, very briefly, um, I like the Buddhism of the, the whole thing where like you have this idea of meditation, the force no longer being just good and evil, no longer belonging to anybody, being the force that binds everything together, which is very Star Wars-like, and the recurring motif then of all the animals. So the crystal critters, the porgs, uh, and the farriers, all of which suggest nature imbalance and the idea that war and humanity are a plague on the surface of the planet and that our existence brings imbalance, chaos, hurt, and suffering. That's what I want to kind of throw And, and again, Mark Hamill has a lot of uh, personal disagreements with his character and how this movie was made, yeah. which means that he's the old actor who gives a great performance but hates this movie. It's a Star Wars movie. He finally... It's all in the grand tradition of what Star Wars is meant to be. Harrison Ford left. They had to fill that vacancy. I love that Hamill finally stepped up and became and like the big character. He sounds like Ford in this as well. Yeah. It's like he's doing a Harrison Ford impression as the gruff older man. All right. Um, we need to go. We'll be back next week. We'll be covering uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Hopefully Andy Mellowish will be back joining us for that. Hopefully we'll have Grey Stuffy as well. Uh, we look forward to it. We're kicking off. Our, we're in the middle of our Christmas coverage. Thank you so much, guys. Sorry this went so long. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.